It's Behind the Bots Time! This week on all of our respective podcasts and, and shows, it's time for our annual crossover episodes, uh, you know, with uh, Behind the Bots, uh, the RoboCast, and Outside of the Box. This is uh, honestly my favorite show of the year. I love uh, you guys so much. You're like, you're my dear friends. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's there's always this like kind of weird question that I sometimes get. Like, oh, do you do you like hate one another? Like, you know, like, oh, yeah. other shows, I hate, like, hate you all. Just <laughs> you know what i mean and it's like no no not at all we, we talk no. pretty much every week <laughs> we have a group chat we all like get in it and mess around and have a good time and like yeah, yeah. we all like each other a lot yeah i i i i watch i watch all robot combat and uh you know i'm gonna say the three of us we're the three shows we're, we're, we're the best you know out of all um so this is great um Okay. Christine, um, by the so, way, welcome to the top three. After only being here for like literal months, you're amazing. We uh, we all it's been are a bowed. year, Kyle. It's been a uh, year for Christine. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Christine, how many episodes have you put out in the last year? Just before we get started. Five times um, more than the rest of us. <laughs> yes. So yes. so as as of tomorrow, I'll be posting episode 111. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> it took us like two years to get to that. I yeah. it, I think it's be five. <laughs> yeah. As soon as yeah. the season ends, that's enough for me. I I, I need a rest. <laughs> yeah, four four years in behind the bots has put out 170 episodes. You're going to have the number by like the fall. So like that is wild. So um, the, the work ethic is is just unbelievable, and I have to yeah, it is. I have to tip my hat to you because it's it's I I couldn't do it. I really couldn't. <laughs> Listen, in, in one year's time, we are either going to all be working for Christine or we'll be dead by her hands. Okay. All right, that's, 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 that's the, uh, it's true. All right. Um, well, okay. So if, if, if you recall, Sam, you know, like last year, our, our unofficial theme was, you know, the gang fixes Battle Boss. It was like, you know, oh. what's wrong, you know, with, with, with the show? How, how, yeah. how can we fix it? Yeah. I mean, if, if we remember back, we were all pretty, I think, jaded and upset about how, Battlebots ended in 2021. Not the the outcome of the show itself, you know, Tantrum winning was incredible. But there was a lot of messiness and, you know, there was the messiness behind, you know, Minotaur and Witch Doctor fighting and the whole fallout from that. Which, it's been, as much as it was annoying to see them fight again this season, I didn't really feel like it was needed. The kind of closure we got from that, you know, with, you know, Marco and Mike and Andrea shaking hands after the fight, it was really lovely. Uh, and the other, you know, controversial bit was there's the tantrum and hydra fight and they had their rematch and it was a definitive win this time for tantrum so yep the rule changes that came in as a result of those two fights as well i feel like have added to the show i think the show as a whole is much much better this year it has been much much better this year um and i'm not going to claim any credit for it but i feel like we have fixed battle bots <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Simple, as, simple as that <laughs> It's funny because it's like a lot of the changes that they made in the off season, um, like were the things that we wanted. I mean, the things that all the fans wanted, you yes. know, like we wanted better rules. We wanted more balanced rules. We wanted the builders to get paid, you know, like we wanted um, genuine drama versus kind of manufactured drama. And yeah. I don't know, maybe that one's not fixed just yet. I guess we'll see. But like they're they're all like cosmetic things this this year versus kind of big structural kind of rotten things like well, um, and we wanted it to be where the refs 
were not the deciding factor in matches anymore. And I feel like right. the rule changes really took the refs out of being decision makers of what happens when their job is very specific. Now it makes a lot more sense. We can't throw them under the bus anymore, which is great. We don't want to, we don't even want to notice the refs. They should be the invisible zebras in the background who just make sure things happen. And that's it. Um, and that was very much so the case all year this year, which I loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, you know, like when, when we were brainstorming, what were we going to do this year, we were thinking we would do something a little fun and just do hot takes. So like, um, I think I think like before we start, like maybe maybe we uh, we define what a hot take is, okay? Because yeah. uh, some of these ideas that our fans sent in are cold takes. These are cold, very cold okay? takes, very cold takes. All right, yes. like I, I'm I'm gonna define hot takes, and I want to hear your definition of it too. But like hot take for me is, um, it's a it's an opinion that you genuinely hold, okay, honestly with a pure heart, and that you know that some percentage. 10 or more percent of the fandom will disagree with you on and debate you on. So like, uh, for example, hot take is like, uh, Riptide is good, you know, for the sport. We need Riptide for the sport, right? That's a hot take. I don't agree with it. Maybe someone else has that. I guess we're going to have to see. But um, It's out there now. <laughs> there now. Just clip that, okay? Just put that up there. Okay, yeah, I said that. Um, wow. <laughs> um, but like a, a hot take, like a non-hot take, a cold take is like, oh, builders should get paid for their labor. Okay. Like everyone knows that we all agree on that. I don't know. Maybe there's one sociopath on the BattleBots, you know, Facebook group. <laughs> no, they should, they should come to uh... death and they should, you should live in squalor <laughs> to build the, build robots for our entertainment. Come on now. <laughs> right. Right. So, okay. So that's, that's a hot take. Also, uh, just very quickly before we start, um, we got so many hot takes. We got hot takes on YouTube, on Discord, on Facebook. And um, so what, what we've done is we've organized these hot takes into large buckets. And then uh, each, each, each one of us is going to take one of these big buckets and kind of just guide us through and, and take out the spiciest takes, the stuff that we actually have opinions on. However, I'm going to just apologize right at the top. We're going to leave a lot of your hot takes on the cutting room floor because either they're cold takes or... I don't know. Maybe we we agree. We'll be here for three that. days. If, if yeah, we we'll be here for them. three days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, good. Um, and then uh, quickly, do we do we want to do like a little round robin of introductions, just in case you've never seen my face before, and you're like, oh, I'm Who's here to guy? watch. Who's... Outside of the box, who's this guy? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sam. Sam, how about how about how about you kick us off? You know, like can can you introduce us? Uh, you know, to, to yourself. Okay, so for those who don't know, who haven't seen, uh me before i'm sam i'm from the united kingdom i know we we do exist and we do still watch battlebots over here sometimes yeah. um i've hosted the robocast podcast now for nearly seven years um we've covered all of classic well not all of classic, all of modern robot wars when that came back um and all of battlebots in detail since season three um and i'm also part of the two-headed death flamingo combat robot team love two-headed death flamingo i've got the t-shirts they excellent. just came in the mail excellent i love I them like it. the 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 new ones like the kind of like rock band kind of t-shirt it was kind of either a, a rock band or a uh, a brewery micro brewery yeah. style that, that was that was that was the the goal and i feel like we've we've uh amy the artist who did the work for us she did an amazing job on on the, on, on them all so thank you they're excellent. I highly recommend you getting yourself some, uh, you know, two-headed death flamingo drip. It's uh, pretty great. Um, 
and uh and yeah i i uh, i'll have to check out the robocast it sounds like a pretty good show yeah um seven years wow amazing um uh i'm joking of course uh christine uh how about how about you sure so I am Christine, although I, I'm positive that in all the episodes that I've done, I don't think I've ever said my own name on the show once. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that. But I do Outside of the Box podcast. Um, I've been doing that for just over a year now. It, although I've watched BattleBots for 20 years, um, you know, since it started, which makes me really old. And, um, you know, I... I've been watching other robot content since I got introduced to it um, about a year ago. So um, yeah, and and I'm building a beetle. So yay! <laughs> Amazing, Christine. Like you, you made you made your robot combat debut like what six weeks ago at NHRL. Like that was very exciting. It was um, fun calling your fights. Yeah, it was really cool. I I did I... and accidentally made top sixteen. You know. <laughs> That's perfect. That's really good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love I love that we're all like kind of uh, we're 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 all, we're all like uh, semi semi builders. I don't know, Sam. You're you're like a real builder, so like that's. Oh, I don't know. Let, let's not let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kyle, Kyle, in, in, introduce us to uh, to yourself. Uh, so my name is Kyle Kroos. I am, uh, as Chris do- so delightfully put it, the Winston Zedmore of the uh, Behind the Bots podcast. Um, joined the team late, but uh, and now part of the the big four, I guess, on the team. Um, and I'm an announcer at NHRL. Um, I I love combat robotics. I've loved combat robotics since I was in middle school, and um, been following the sport very closely ever since. And yeah, I'm currently in the midst of studying for the June two day extravaganza of NHRL, and that's consuming all of my brain power. So it'll be fun to talk about something else for a little while. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, similarly to Kyle, you know, I'm also an NHRL announcer. My name's Luke. Um, yeah, I've been doing the show for like four years and uh, really love it a lot. I was on Team Shredit this year uh, for season seven. And uh, it was a really, uh, you know, wonderful experience. I learned a lot. And uh, yeah, just stoked, uh, stoked to be here. So um so cool. Very cool. Um, now, before we get into your hot takes, I mean, we had our own hot takes, mm-hmm. you know, I think we had like one each. I don't know. I'll see if this is going to be like a three day show. Um, maybe we could go around and we could like kind of prime the pump a little bit by like just sharing our own hot takes, you know, and like the spicier, the better, Stan, you know? Well, I, I think you should start, Luke, because, you know, we, we put backwards to you for, to introduce oh, yourself. Good. So, so you, you, you start off with the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. With good, the hot good takes. Call. Good. Kyle, then, then I guess you're going to go next, right? And pre- prepare your hot take. All right. Oh, I'm ready. My hot take, my hot take is that uh, BattleBots Destructathon, Proving Grounds, is bad for the sport and bad for the builders. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Proving Grounds, right? It makes, it makes sense on paper, right? There's not really a safe place for you to test your heavyweights. And uh, instead of sending in like CAD files for some robot that's going to fail right out of the gate in their rookie season... You can get four or five fights in in a you know in a weekend, test out your robot. No selection committee, right? Necessary. You just package up your footage from Destructathon, right? Send it to Greg and Trey, and the other secret people on the selection committee, and uh, then you get into the show, right? Makes sense. All good. No, terrible, bad. Okay, uh, because they don't pay for anything. They don't Not pay for your time. travel. They don't pay for your shipping. They don't give you a build stipend. 
they're making you don't get a percentage of the door right every single time they do one of those shows they're making thirty thousand dollars in revenue now i know that it's bleeding money okay that's fine but you deserve a cut of the door revenue all right because you're creating this massive machine that if you don't get onto the show it is a thirty thousand dollar paperweight that just sits in your garage and is a monument to your hubris okay all right like it's awful all right i i get that like the the vision of the future is like oh you can just come and fight anytime you want right and like we're fighting all year round and like you are on the west coast or you're independently wealthy or whatever and you can just come and fight but like Right now, we are in a very awkward teenage phase, tween age phase, all right, where we are not paying the builders anything at all, and we are back to exploitation by BattleBots, all right? Proving Grounds, I see you, and you're my hot take. Yes. Yes. Exploitation without, um, what would it be? Like, exploitation without representation? No, exploitation without um, exposure. Yes. Yes, yeah. you're exposed. You're exposed to 400 drunk tourists who like wandered in because the hotel concierge talked them into robot fighting. They've never even seen the show before. Okay, yes. and then they're like, "What is a um? I don't know what what is this? What is this family team doing here with this robot that barely functions? Okay, no, they've spent their kids' college education money. Okay, <laughs> for this for this for this horrible paperweight. Okay, and you're never gonna see it ever again. Okay." It's it's oh, awful. God. Okay. Do better, Greg and Trey. All right. That's my hot take. It's a pretty hot take. I like it. I like it. Uh, offer, all right. I'll offer a repost to that though. Oh good. Yes, Sam. A bit a bit, a bit of debate. So obviously over in the UK we still have heavyweight live events fairly regularly. And it's kind of similar. You know, a lot of the UK BattleBots teams use those to kind of test their robots. Surely it's better if you're going to build one anyway to have it tested and battle tested first. Before, as you said, you know, turning up to BattleBots and then figuring out all the problems then. How much money do the UK live people make off of the event? Good question. I don't Ooh. know. I don't know the answer to that one. Um, is there are they rolling is there around cash... in Bentleys and Rolls Royces? Well, I would, there I would say there cash prizes for winning the event, or is there cash prizes for winning the, the show, or is there is there, there any is, type of... Uh, there is a, a nominal fee per fight per weekend. It's not okay. much. It covers petrol, maybe, for one person. Now, Sam, I don't mean to malign the great, you know, uh, the, the oh, great good. tradition of, of robot combat in the UK, but mm -hmm. aren't your robots cost, they like $10, you know what I mean? You just drive it down. So, so for, for, for context, okay. I, I, I won't divulge too much, but I, I we, we had, for our heavyweight, which we, use, we have used now for uh, two and a bit years in this format, we, we spent less than £3,000, about okay. $4,000 for two of them. And you can just drive there, right? Because the UK is the it's, size of what Connecticut. It's it's still a long way to go a lot of the time. So okay, um, it's a, at least a four hour drive to get to wherever we want to go to. But it's yeah, it's it's a long way to go to for not very much. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot less to, to travel for. Let's say a northeast team in the US to go to Vegas. It's a lot less than that. <laughs> true. True. All right, cool. Kyle, what's what's your hot take? All right, guys. So this is my hot take. Um, Luke, you're aware of this hot take. I've talked about this kind of like while we've been chatting and whatnot in the past. Um, I kind of, it is similar to a joke we made earlier. I do think Riptide in some ways is good for the sport. Oh but, my God, Kyle, um, stop. But this is the ultimate where I'm coming from on this, right? <laughs> I do think 
that betting on combat robots is the future, right? I think that that evolution of sports where you're talking about NASCAR, NASCAR specifically is one we bring up all the time. NASCAR started out with a bunch of drunks who were moving alcohol, illegal alcohol across the United States and souping up these cars to get away from state officials, um, racing each other out in dirt roads and betting money on it and having a great time. And it's really just these at-home boy builders that were like figuring this stuff out. Eventually they got betting, corporate sponsorships. Um, you know, next thing you know, it's Kellogg's is sponsoring a car. It's like a whole different ball game now. BattleBots is in the the transitionary phase of back home boys building stuff together and then competing with their friends and turning into that sport, that thing where you're going to have Kellogg sponsoring a car. Gambling is part of that. That's part of what turns a sport into a real sport. Um, big money sponsorships into a team is what turns a sport into a real sport. Does it get rid of some of that charming, oh my gosh, we all love like the beginnings of where this came from? Yes, absolutely. But also that's how you get cars that go 400 miles per hour and like can turn around corners on a dime and do amazing things and roll cages so that when people get into huge crashes, they don't die, right? It's those kinds of things that like fund the improvement and the, the betterment of the sport over time. So do I love where the sport is at right now? Yes. Do I relish what's going on right now? Yes. Do I cherish it? Yes. But I also understand we're going to have to start betting on this thing. We're going to have to start looking at those big sponsorships if we want this thing to grow and not just fizzle out and become a hobby thing. You know what I mean? And we're in a really great place right now where that is possible um, as long as everybody plays their cards a little bit right. So what, what you're saying is Ethan Kurtz is like the first of a new generation of yes. the, you know, builders yes. in the sport. Listen, this is not- We're, we're, is... we're going to push out the wonderful- Zach and Diana's of the world, okay, uh, you know, of our community, and we're going to be replacing them with just Zach money and Diana and profit focused. No, uh, Zach and Diana show up with three full chassis of completed robots. Like Zach and Diana are part of the thing too. They are very much so showing up with with three fully functional robots with a bunch of different configurations with a bunch of different parts on it. They're they're doing the same things. The difference is, I'm, is that Zach I'm, and Diana built about, their robot, yeah. whereas Riptide paid somebody else to build their robot, but it, it, they got to the same place. I'm, I'm talking about Zach and Diana in terms of like, uh, oh, they, they're the shining example of our community, like coming together, loving, uh, you know, your competitors, helping them out, right? Yes. Um, and, and you know, there's 49 teams in the tent that are like that. Um but uh, yeah, so so th those are the dinosaurs, I guess, of the sport. Is that what you're saying, Kyle? <laughs> the future is I I hope that, that, that fat I Tony that from spirit... from the Vegas Vegas uh, arm of the mafia comes down and says, you know, like, uh, hey, it'd be really terrible if you if you threw this next fight, you know, uh, boy, a shady I'd hate to, a shady thing I'd hate approaches to... you <laughs> and yeah. offers you money to throw the next fight. So, I, I sh hope sh that shows there... shows you a photo of your child's elementary school, you know. <laughs> I hope that their spirit lives on in the sport, but they're also contributing to this thing that we're all talking about. They're the ones coming with all of these different bots, all of these different configurations. They're the ones that are like, you know, it's the levels of escalation that keep happening. They're a part of that level of escalation. You know what I mean? Scorpios gets better every single year. More Scorpios show up every single year. They're a part of that that entire thing. They're doing they're doing it. They're participating in it. Um, do I think it is a bad thing? No. Do I think I want a lot of that? this is a community and we love each other aspects to carry on into the future of the sport. Absolutely. 
But if it's going to grow, you're going to get more riptides too. And that's just something we all have to accept. That's good. That's the future. That's where we're coming from. And yes, we are going to be gambling on it. And that means with gambling, true, there is going to be cheating. There is going to be performance enhancing uh, speed controllers. I'm not sure how that works with robots, but um, you know, all of these things that are not allowed are going to be showing up in the sport too. That's going to, that's going to happen. Listen, I'm going to be long gone by then. All right. I'm going to be running a cooperative crochet like <laughs> podcast by then. Okay. <laughs> all right. So- the community is why I'm here. All right. It's okay. Once 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 we go to all Ethan Kurtz is all the way down. All right, I'm out. Um, I just can't okay. wait for behind the stitch with Luke Stangle. Yeah, yeah. Behind the dots. Behind the dots. Yes, you nailed it. <laughs> Perfect. Damn. All right. Christine, uh, what's what's your spiciest take? Well, the the take that I have to use because everything else that's kind of on my list is already in like the the fan list of things. So I want to try and pick something that wasn't like heavily explored there. And so for me, my spicy take was that, you know, this year BattleBots made this commitment to show every fight and show the entire fight. But there were a couple of matches where you're watching this fight and yeah, maybe it's not the most exciting, but then all of a sudden Chris and Kenny are talking about something completely different and it's very distracting. So while I understand that BattleBots doesn't want fans to like tune out and and everything else like that, there were very few and far between matches that weren't super exciting. And I don't think that just like letting that ride is going to drive an immense amount of, amount of fans away. I mean, they can just go get popcorn or go to the bathroom while that's happening if they're not excited. Like, I, I've heard different things about, you know, well, like the sponsorships. Do you think that sponsors are going to be that much more excited if this robot is fighting and then all of a sudden the announcers are talking about something else? Like, you know, I, I just, I don't think that that was good. And I would prefer that BattleBots not do that in the future. Mm-hmm. As, as a shredded team member i have to say thank you very much christine that's uh that's true i think i think our fight was like the first time that that happened and then it happened yes. a couple of times and yeah. uh i remember watching it i was like this is not that boring you guys this is actually a kind of interesting <laughs> I think, fight right? i i know i know because we spoke to we speak to tim fairly regularly he's, he's a good guy and um i know they were pretty put out by the the ominous shredded highlighting in a season where they don't highlight any fights like even do it or don't. Don't half-ass yeah. it. Like you know, just say, "Look, this ha- fight happened. This is what happened in the fight." Or show the fight. Just, yeah, that, it's that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like Cutting I just, I thought that that was better. bad. You know, yeah. I, I don't think that it added anything. It, it, like either, either do it the way that they were doing it before, or just show the fight. Like don't yeah. talk over it. Don't even, you know, go into even something Even say it's else. boring. Just... Even say that yeah. this, is, this isn't a good yeah. fight, but the, but this yeah. is this is part of it. You know, go into you know these machines are incredibly complicated. They go wrong. This is the result of that. Yeah. That would have been really interesting, but you know. Yeah, I, I, I Sam, sorry, I, no, I, I need to piggyback. I'm gonna like I, I think like. That is one of the things that sets BattleBots apart from like places like NHRL. Like we 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 could see a fight where two robots aren't operating, but like we can say something about it that actually like kind of drives your knowledge forward. Where you're like, look, these are two brand new rookies. You probably haven't tested your robots before, and like you know, this is mm-hmm. this is part of their like improvement process. You know, and like they they make it feel like when you watch the show like oh here's this robot that was really boring and uh they went home and they worked on the robot for four weeks and they came back 
and now it's still boring you know when, when like you could just like kind of show like the production side a little bit more you know like hey look this is a one-week competition this is crazy packed you know what i mean like yeah i think like you can inject more of that tension into the show versus pretending like this is some live event that happens over the course of two months you know right these guys had eight hours to get this thing together and that included ordering yeah. parts you know like right. uh, that, this is insane <laughs> sam i i'm i'm eager to hear your hottest take okay this is this might be a little bit uh strange for me to say uh two bot teams is not good for battle bots hmm. i don't think that any one team should be allowed to have two entries in battle bots whilst there are others who are being told to not fight and being rejected i feel like that's very unfair on especially with the field size now the field size is now 50 and you know you, you've got at least three or was it three or four this year who was yeah. it this year there was seems reasonable Apache, uh, there was Bots FC. Bots FC. Is that all of them? Um, Omega. Well, oh, and Omega as well. Omega. And Scorpios brought Dragon King. That yeah. was, that was, that was yeah. exhibitions only. That wasn't in the actual competition. I, I think that a good as a good alternative, if you're bringing a second robot, exhibitions slash Golden Bowl only. I think that's a good compromise. I don't right. And then, the, and then maybe that bot could qualify the next year, but then you would have to choose which one you want Correct. to bring. You, you should only be allowed to have one main entry and then have the second one as a side comp only robot, let's say. What Blood about sports. my emotional Blood support also dual robot team in uh, Omega? Because yeah. I want them. Yeah, it does suck because you would lose out on a Star Child or a Ripperoni, wouldn't you? But it, you'd lose out on a Tantrum or a Blip as well. Yeah, and they're both wonderful. Yeah. Exactly. I I feel like it, as much as I love both of those robots, I would I as sounds crazy, but I would happily lose one of them if, for a new if team. If you're the production, you have that choice though. Do you want to to waste that spot on like and I'm saying waste with quotation marks. Do you want to waste that spot on a new team or a not tried or tested something that might be terrible? Uh, or something that might not work. Like, let's just go say, go ahead and say a Doom, for instance. Like, they showed up with a bot, it didn't work, okay. Or do you want, you know that, um, you know that the Bots FC guys are going to put out two quality bots that can perform. And so just let them do it. You know what I mean? Like, you know Absolutely. Hydra's going to show up with two quality bots that, or that the, the Waiachi guys are going to show up with two quality bots that can perform. Just let them do it. I will die on this hill, okay? I'll die on this hill. That, that the future of the show, okay, is regional teams. You have like a UK captain and the UK captain is now the selection committee for their, their area. They get to choose five robots from the UK or Europe mm. or whatever, right? Mm. East Coast team, you get to choose your five, right? And now it's, it's just, it's six mega teams. Like here's a Brazil team, right? And like, Minotaur and Black Dragon are fighting together and like we're going to go into the Brazilian camp and it looks like um, it looks like you know like uh, you know it's it's amazing you know it's all brazilled out you know what I mean um, you know like we, we, we get we go to the UK and like there's just you know free tea and crumpets everywhere you know for anyone that they want you know um, there's a Florida team you know there's a Northern California Southern California team and that is how you actually like root for a team because you're like oh this is my Midwest team like I am here and I'm 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 like I'm supporting my my local people you know mm -hmm. um well, this, I, this... I will always have a have a soft spot for the brick teams you know the quantums the beaters the monsoons yes. well, because i know them and you know they they are local to me and i think you're right i think there is a, an element of okay you need to have in any sport 
you know, for the most part, there is always a team or a rider or a driver or whatever to root for. You know, in in your soccer teams, you know, a lot of people follow specific football or soccer teams around the world, but then they will also follow specific players, and wherever they go, they'll then follow them. It's right. kind of similar to that in a sense where you, you know you need you need someone to cheer for, and you know you can cheer for your favorite yeah. robot. That's all well and good, but then if you cheat, you know, have a, have a team of say, okay, I'm getting into like a weird face here, but like you know you can cheer for a specific group of teams. Ah, oh, I really like those guys. They they do this, that, and the other. I you know I just my my original point was kind of more, in more like you know I feel like if battlebots are keen to keep the sport going, they can't keep looking inwards, inwards, inwards because eventually they yes. will, they will run out of talent. And I feel like the reason why I feel like not having two robot teams would be better is because it opens up the umbrella a little bit more and more people can come yeah. and play. I think that's the the, the longer yeah. way of putting it. It's, a, it's because it, it's the difference between trying to book a competition that's going to last a long time and book a TV show that where you Correct. know you're going to have good talent that are putting out a good mm-hmm. product every time and you can just trust in that. So yeah, I see I see where you're coming from. And we all want this to be more of a sport than a reality TV show. That's mm-hmm. just, I think, bar none what everybody who talks about this show wants. Exactly. No. And and Luke, that's an interesting idea. Although I would say that I'm I'm definitely not like most people where most of my favorite robots are international robots. So if there was a bot from the Midwest, like I would have no loyalties. I'm just I'm gonna root for the Brazilian bots and the UK bots no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and it's fair. I mean, like, I, I think, like, I think one of the challenges is that, I mean, and, and it would move us toward a sport because let's say you only had five spots, you got to choose five bots, you got to develop your own talent, you got to choose, you know, like the the teams that kind of come under your umbrella. Um, maybe there isn't room for a Doomba or a Rusty there on your roster because now you only have four competitive bots, you know? Because like maybe maybe once once your once your vert gets knocked out like you're you're out like that vert is no longer in your deck anymore you know and you see like these really hard trade offs where people are like oh wow Minotaur's lost you know like four four of its compatriots and it has to continue to run Minotaur and run undefeated for another four fights in a row like that is really interesting um, so yeah I mean like that's anyway. Um, you yeah, and I, I I would agree. Like I, I I'm a huge fan of the Brazilians and um and the Brits. So so yeah, maybe maybe I wouldn't even, you know, uh cheer for the East Coast. Who knows? All right, uh, I guess we'll have to see. Um okay, we're gonna jump into fan hot takes here. Uh I'm gonna take the first section here, which is just around bot type and the meta. All right. Um we got so many amazing hot takes here. Um so I'm going to start off with like some specific to uh, the bot type, uh, you know, uh, hot takes. I want to read this one from uh, Valkyrie designer Alex Kreese, who, uh, you know, himself runs a horizontal. And uh, Alex's hot take is horizontal spinners in their current form are no longer competitive in this sport, which is interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got uh, big wedges. Everybody knows how to beat a horizontal, right? Ground game is uh, just like it's become a fully honed, uh, you know, aspect of the sport. And with the the upper upper deck, you know, uh, the shelf, it is uh, really hard for horizontals to navigate. So horizontals are dead uh, in 2023 and beyond. Interesting hot take from from the designer of Valkyrie. Um, any thoughts on on that? Are are, are horizontals actually dead? 
Hmm. I would say uh, Maximizer would disagree with you on that. Um, maybe at the heavyweight class, but in the lower weight classes, you're still going to see some horizontal robots that do a lot of damage and do a lot of good work. So yeah, um, I see where he's saying about it in the battle box specifically. The shelf is quite problematic for the for that type of robot, but I don't necessarily think that's the case across the board. There are ways to win with a horizontal. Uh, we saw that at the last NHRL, um, you know, and it it's it, there are still some very effective bots uh, with that design type. I, mean, I, I don't know I about dead um, <clears throat> because if we look at Malice in season seven, Malice almost beat Minotaur, mm -hmm. um, like very close to beating Minotaur. So I think a really dialed in horizontal can still be effective, but it's hard. It's not impossible, but it's hard. I think a, a horizontal now needs ground game as well, right? That's that's the that's the solution. If you look at Rotator yep. over the last few years, this season just gone wasn't Rotator's best, but you know in the, in previous years it's lost to the eventual winner like pretty much every year, <laughs> literally every year. Um, they had you know they almost beat Tantrum, but you know got ooted right at the last second. They they almost beat Endgame, but their weapon died right at the end, and that cost them. There is a world in which you know you can do it. You know that you just have to have that the annoying you know ground game better that everyone else has to play as well. But it's harder to do that on a horizontal because of the geometry of the robot. And I think that you know Malice is doing good things with their fork setup. You know they're improving it as well. I think for the next season, Rotator, as I've said already over the last couple of years, has started to do that quite well. I've seen a few Beetles over here as well start to do that quite well. So I think there's a there is a route for horizontals to take. I think. If the question was about full body spinners like or shell spinners, I think they they'd struggle a lot more. But I feel like horizontals. There's a way to do it. It's just it's it's incorporated the extra weight for the ground game, which they tend to struggle with quite a lot because all the weight to the weapon. It's 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 interesting because you're like uh, if if you're going to be entering with a new horizontal in season eight, like you've got to either know something that no one else does, or you have to have just an awful lot of faith in in this um, this design. There, there, there are times when I see a rookie show up with a four-wheel drive vert and I'm just disappointed. I'm just like, why? Out, out of all the things you could build, you know, like you're you're gonna do this to us, like why? Like, you know, bring bring something weird or different, you know? Like I'd love to see a horizontal win the the giant nuts, you know, in the modern age, you know? Um, yeah. post post tombstone, of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, interesting, interesting thought, Alex. Um, uh, the the next ones I just laughed at so much because they just perfectly like capture everything, uh, like around control bots. Um, Francois Froll Pelsier, you know, a <clears throat> just a BattleBot super fan and really a uh, thinking thinking man's BattleBots fan. You know, says I really like control bots. I think they're more entertaining. And uh, <laughs> And then Antway Builder Kyle Crufferty goes, the whole, uh, they focus too much on destructive bots and need more control bots is just the, I like this band before they were cool hipster shenanigans. Okay, so like, if you like control bots, no, you don't. You're actually just a hipster. Okay, uh, and then Josh Johnson said, uh, I find seeing a top tier control bot get absolutely destroyed by a spinner satisfying. That is a hot take. That is a hot take. Um, Kevin Milcheski wants to know his location, I reckon. Oh, listen. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm a Claw Viper fan all the way. Okay. Yeah, uh, for many different what a, what a reasons. Great robot. And um, if that makes me a hipster, then so be it, Kyle Cuffrey. <laughs> okay. 
I will ride on my unicycle down to my my craft brewery, okay, and uh, talk about how great Kevin Milcheski is until you know people are leaving. Um, I, I I love control bots. I think they are great. Um, some some of the very best NHL bots are control bots, and um, I just it, it delights me to see them doing well. So here's the question: Is Kyle talking about Kevin Milcheski, or is he talking about Charles Guan? Oh, 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 Kyle. Are we going there? Are we, are we really going there? Kyle, you cracked it open, Kyle. Well, I mean, that's what Charles' whole thing. Ban spitters. Get rid of the spitters. They're terrible. Only I only like control bots. And it's like, well, but Charles, your Charles control bot could do better. Charles needs to have a much better robot to have that strong of an opinion. All right? Amen. That's what we're going to say. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah um i'm gonna have to look at overhaul's like win loss record but um I, in in my head canon it's low all right so um yeah anyway no i i, I want to see control bots like bob viper fast pushy shovey strong strong drivetrain well driven that's the like, i want to see now isn't it really yeah yep. i i want to see big dustpan style like kind of like catching devices on the front um and just just faster than anything you've ever seen like yeah, i really want to slams see that. lifts and grabs and suplexes yeah. like that's the st- like i love a good suplex if you can give me a good suplex in a fight i am going to freak out i will pop so loud for a suplex way more than like a, a big shot with a vertical spinner like don't get me wrong yeah. roofings are fun everyone loves a good roofing but i will scream way louder for a suplex um i'm gonna i'm gonna come here and it was interesting i didn't think of this as a hot take but like a lot of people sent in hot takes around other weight classes and kind of like uh robot sizes in general so like uh the uh, frank jones wants to bring back super heavyweights okay frank i agree with you let's keep going bigger and bigger no Drew monteith no. wants to bring no. back 60 pounders okay <laughs> All right. Dylan Price. It would be nice if BattleBots would mention and promote the lower weight classes. Agree with you, Dylan. Mm. Okay. Um, and Ryder Lee Engel, I feel like, uh, you know, kind of sums this up really well. You know, BattleBots doesn't need heavyweights. Heavyweights are a throwback to a bygone era where the only way to see BattleBots was uh, with your own eyes, you know you know sitting in an audience in san francisco and they looked like you know ant weights because you are you know half a football field away um and that it is ridiculous and silly and uh more probably ego driven that battlebots insists on being 250 pounds today um and that they could just make everything smaller and run 30 pounders and it'd be a better tv experience it's a hot take. I mean, like, I, I have opinions about that, but it's it's certainly a spicy take, Ryder. Super heavyweights can get in the bin and stay there. I don't think they need to... Like, I, as someone who is, has worked on a heavyweight team now for, you know, five or six years myself, it, they are so heavy. Like, they take two or three people to lift, and it, 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 your back is ruined after a weekend of lugging it about. Supers are just not necessary. I don't think, hmm, I don't know about getting rid of heavies entirely, though. I think that's, again, I think that's the wrong approach. Maybe a little bit lighter, like, make people work with the weight a little bit more. So instead of 250 pounds, let's say 200, you know, as much as, you know, you, you then reduce down the, you know, you're reducing the weapon and the weight of the armor that you can use to defend against it. 
it makes people work a bit harder to try and get more into yeah. a smaller amount of weight if that makes sense so i don't know maybe you know going a little bit lower but not not too much i feel from like you a, know, a, from a filming perspective you need to have bigger bots the that was the 30, other thing i was going to say was the, yeah the, you know the 30, I think having a live audience is is another thing where battle bots you know they, they ultimately make money from selling tickets to the show yeah and if you're turning up and seeing featherweights yeah it's cool it's really cool but you want to see the big boys in there. You want to see, you know, things go flying and, you know, the energy and the sounds that they make is, is very different to a featherweight, in my opinion. Wrong. No, wrong. come on. Kyle, continue, though. <laughs> you going to dig your grave, Kyle. No, from a filming perspective, you want to have, just to be able to have the shots that you want, the camera angles that you want, just the, the perspective and scale of the filming, you're going to want the larger arena. It's clear when you like, and this is, you know, from working at an HRL, the 30 pound arena, the shots that you're going to get from there are not as cool as the shots you're going to get from the battle box. The scale is not the same. The size is not the same. You can't make the the shots happen that you want to happen with. I mean, we have ridiculous technology in an HRL. You're not going to get as cool of a shot as you are in a heavyweight arena where you've got 40 foot, wait, what, 42 feet to play with 42 feet square. Um, it's just way better as far as that goes. Now, could we do 125 pound robots in that size of arena and get just as good of shots? Yes, absolutely. But I think that when you're talking about getting smaller in size than that in volume, just total volume of robot, it's not going to look very good on camera. Oh, Kyle, you sweet summer child. Listen, okay. The difference between NHRL and BattleBots is that BattleBots has those like cranes that they can kind of swoop in. They've got like sure. they, they've got aerial shots, you know, and and they edit it together. It takes them eight weeks to edit like a single episode. Okay, sure. all right, like we're getting it live. I am telling you, I went and I sat. We've all sat inside of the battle box, okay, like arena. All right, some of us have. Christine, you have. Okay, tell me the truth. All right. Uh, it's underwhelming when you're there, when you're there because you're like, oh, I can oh. see this, this robot. It's so tiny. Okay, all right. Uh, you, you're you're like so far away. You can't hear Chris and Kenny. Okay, like the uh, the the robots. They they just sound like they're like kind of dinking together. You know what I mean? And they they like they cut it all together in post to make it sound amazing. Okay, but like there's the that experience. It's way more thrilling to sit up face to the glass on NHRL, like watching a 30 pounder get roofed on fire. Okay. And like, you'll see seven or eight roofings in a single like uh, competition at NHRL. It's the most thrilling thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Okay. Same thing with beetle. All right. You get a good flamethrower in there. It's, it's encircling the entire box. Show me, show me a, a, a flame that has a 40 foot long, like, uh, you know, fire on it okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be stoked okay i'm not talking uh, about the live performance experience the live performance experience at nhrl is phenomenal absolutely i'm just talking about the filming the filming is way easier with a bigger subject matter in a, bi a bigger arena we we just have to email austin okay and get him to get us like two or three of those cranes and we're 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 in business okay kyle all right tiny little cranes this, tiny this, little... Sounds, this sounds to me like we're making our own battle bots with blackjack and hookers <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do I do want to share share my final kind of like uh, weight weight class hot take from none other than Sablay's captain giant nut winner uh, Jameson Go and this is truly a hot take. Um, he writes thirty pounders are too accessible. Two hundred fifty pounds is interesting because there are few places that compete and therefore people make mistakes. 
that is truly a hot take. All right. That, do you know why? Or, it's because uh, he is the runner up, the current runner up for the Golden Brett <laughs> in the 30 pound division. Okay. That is, a, that is not a spicy Because right, he won BattleBots. Is... He's, he's happy now. So he's, he's able to, you know, he's going with this instead. <laughs> he would not have had that take last year when he was the returning champion from that division. Saying, Thank you very much. So, no. <laughs> too accessible i love it now that is that is truly a hot take jmo um all right finally uh I, i'm gonna i'm gonna dive into some hot takes around the meta and then i'm gonna turn it over all right um i've heard this a lot from a lot of people very uh you know like curtis honeycutt from blood sports really sums it up well the meta is dead all right four-wheel drive vert the era of end game is over okay long forks four-wheel drive vert dead okay yeah yeah in its place super flexible verts that are like that have tons of attachments and can like kind of really build out a good defensive strategy against a lot of different robots like the kind of it's not rock paper scissors anymore because i'm not a rock a paper or scissors i'm like a swiss army knife you know what i mean um that's the true meta like that is the that is the saw blaze kind of story uh, on on battlebots was it Jevin um, who called that lowercase modularity, not uppercase modularity where you're swapping out a whole weapon system, but lowercase modularity where you're like, can reconfigure the entire shape of your robot to deal with different sizes of opponents or shapes of opponents? It, it was funny in season seven. I just didn't see long forks anymore. You know, like if, yeah. if you had super long forks on your robot, it looked like a dinosaur in season seven. Like it's, it's now all about like plows and um, kind of like big, big uh dustpans and stuff like that you know um which which i thought was pretty interesting but uh yeah the kind of fork fork wars is is no longer here um so yeah the the meta is is dead um let me see were there other i mean there were so many hot takes here uh ban four-wheel drive verts okay that's that's good <laughs> that's uh, thomas carroll <laughs> i agree um Sean Peterson had an interesting take. Uh, you can't have a fork or a wedge if you're not a control bot. Okay, so if you're a four-wheel driver, you gotta go in naked. All right, just but then weapon in front. Would you call Hydra uh, a control bot? Would you call? I mean, Sawblaze is te isn't technically a control bot. It is technically a control bot. Yeah, so is Whiplash. No, Sam I mean, Elliott. Sam. Well, Sam Sawblaze Sawblaze is a spinner. It's a spinner with a Sawblaze. Sawblaze is the king of control bots, Sam. All right. <laughs> but it's a spinner. It's a vertical spinner. If you boil it, no, it's not. I, I'm, I'm joking. I am joking. <laughs> but like, but the, the point still stands. They, they still have, you know, big forks. So, and and they have a spinning weapon. Does that make it a vertical spinner with forks? It can that yeah. operate as a vertical spinner, can't it? You drive backwards and hit people. I yeah. honestly think that Jameson Go could have won the giant nut this year without that, 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 Definitely. uh, hammer saw at all okay um but uh but yeah okay good and then finally uh we should limit the number of verts you know like we should uh we should try and encourage more flippers axes hammers crushers and control bots samuel grattop alexander archer you know uh interesting thought you know we need more design diversity i agree i i, I agree maybe, maybe that is a There's not, not as hot of a take as, as you know they think there's, there's a graphic that Valkyrie do every year, um, which which shows the top 16 weapon types. Uh, and this year, I think it was, was it 11 vertical spinners in the top 16? Yeah. And then one of those 
was a combo, which I believe was Whiplash, which also has a vertical spinner on it. Right. Um, one was a saw, which was saw blaze, which it has a spinning weapon as well. You know, it's. I think yes, but I I also don't think the answer is ban four wheel drive verts because they have their place. You know, you can't. You know, there, there needs to be the the big the big bad, if you like, the to 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 kill because otherwise there's no enjoyment out of it. You know, the, everyone loves an underdog story. Ripperoni beating Endgame this year was spectacular because. It was Endgame has built up this law of being unbeatable and has the ground game and gets under everyone and beats everyone. But when it goes wrong and then they lose, it's even more satisfying because you yep. can take more enjoyment from the underdog winning. So I don't think you should ban them. I think you should keep them, but maybe less of, or you know, somewhat limit their effectiveness in, in some way. I don't know how you do that. You know, maybe a fork length thing, but as we kind of discussed, you know, we didn't really see super long forks all season this year it was kind of uh, a different approach like sort of the ablative fork fronts you know where they kind of moved with the terrain yeah piano keys were a lot more common this time yeah. it was interesting exactly sam i'm going to turn it over to you and your your next section oh, of oh boy I can't we wait. handed sam the spicy section just so everybody <laughs> knows so i chose the spicy section i live for it <laughs> so I'm starting off with the specific robot hot takes. And no one will be surprised to hear the first robot we're talking about is Riptide. <laughs> so, where do I want to start? There were a lot of hot takes with regard to Riptide, as I'm sure you can imagine. Uh, starting off with Ryan Hunter, who said the focus on, on the drama of Riptide and some of the lesser side drama takes away from the uh, aspect of the spores as compared to the show um other people were saying you know that they they are here to stay unfortunately and we're gonna to have to kind of accept it you know it's a load of nonsense coming from johnny cords um other people such as a youtube user wolvie zandalari said the riptide drama wasn't as bad as it was made out to be and that they're betting by the time we come around to next season everyone will have moved up from it doubt Oh, I'm opening the floor to everyone. Christine, we haven't heard much from you recently. What's what's going on? What's going on with Riptide? I mean, obviously, I have a lot of feelings about about Riptide. Um, you know, it, I think it's really more. It's not as much with the team specifically, but it's it's a lot of the the editing and you know, kind of pushing that pretty heavily. And a big reason why I have an issue with it is because you know, I've compared. BattleBots in some ways from a production aspect to professional wrestling. And there are certainly those parallels. But the big key difference for me is that, you know, when you're looking at the two, professional wrestling is a scripted television show. Yes. So when they're pushing these villain narratives, we're talking about like fake things that, you know, these people aren't necessarily really representative of. With BattleBots, these are real people. So, you know, I think that there has to be a little bit more responsibility in the way that that narrative is presented. And I think, like, the Shatter stuff in particular was just really, like, it turned me off a lot. Um, I just didn't, you know, didn't like it. I don't think that, like, having a team that is 
very energetic and, you know, super competitive is necessarily a bad thing. I think that there's some folks in NHRL that certainly have that kind of energy, but it's just different with Riptide. It seems more mean-spirited, and that's not representative of 99% of what BattleBots is. And so I think, like, pushing that to the degree that it was from a production perspective wasn't great it might draw some fans to the show but those aren't going to be the kind of fans that stick around those aren't the ones that have watched this for years and love it i you know that's my personal feeling on it um but you know i don't think that they're necessarily bad for the sport overall and i hope that they learn some things from how things came across this season and come back and we see less of that drama and more of just that competitive spirit mm -hmm. hmm. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my hot take on BattleBots just in general, like kind of just the meta, the meta take, which is like BattleBots um, has this very clever sleight of hand where they kind of create this, this, um, this myth about themselves that like robot combat is a massive sport and hundreds of people are trying, like beating down our door to get in every single year. And these are the best of the best. And, you know, these are, um, you know, like we, we've rejected tons and tons of people when the fact is that they basically accept everyone who has any kind of credible building skills whatsoever. And th like the show, this multi-million dollar show on cable TV is purely driven by the community. Like those 50 teams, they all know one another. They're all friends with one another. They go to one another's right. weddings. They go to one another's picnics. They are hanging out and they go to the movies together all the time. Uh, they're on first name basis with, with one another. And like, they, they collectively agree like, Hey, we're going to spend $4 million of our own money. And we're going to come and basically like subsidize this TV show for our friends, Greg and Trey, like they're friends with Greg and Trey as well. And Riptide is the first kind of like non like community kind of uh, person to show up like they're they're not part of a community they don't give back to the kids they're selling their freaking poker chips for $75 each right like um, they're they're not here to inspire anyone they're here to win and it's like I, I am like it's it's fine but like when I when I look at them I, I think of it's like you guys showed up on third base and you're convinced that you're like that you've hit a triple and that you've you've got there on your own like you know you you took the most dominant design from the beatles you didn't even come up with it on your you know, on your own you scaled it up like you paid someone else to like figure out the physics for you and you're here just shouting about how great you are and it's like it's just unearned and you're like you're 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 jeopardizing like the foundation of your show like this community of builders who are here to see their friends not to get like um disrespected like on national tv by like somebody who just pays for everything you know what i mean like it's just it's uh it kind of shakes the foundation of the community and you're like why 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 is that why are we why are we jeopardizing everything that we that that we've built this on just for you know the whims of a a rich college student from southern california you know like it's um so yes that that's that's my hot take when it comes to reptide it's it's interesting the i mean the, the other thing i kind of wanted to bring up as well was there are uh, from from will hard who said um there are now too many of those people who are saying big boom good it's battle bots not cuddle bots 
yeah. there are so many of those people. I, you know, we, we've kind of commented on it before, uh, Luke and Kyle. We you know we we've, we mentioned about you know how they all <laughs> seem to appear at the same time and they all say the same kind of things. They're like, I want to see those robots destroyed. I want to see him in bits. I don't care. It's all well and good, you know. We see that every now and then. It does happen, but generally, most teams have the kind of foresight and the planning to be like, okay, I know where not to hit because otherwise, it's going to cost them an absolute fortune. Like the metalwork is all one thing, you know. But you know, seeing bits flying off—that's one thing. But the soft, you know, electronics on the inside, thousands and like tens of thousands of dollars of of equipment in there. If you start hitting them, that's when it starts getting problematic. And uh, yeah. We don't want to see that, and hopefully yeah. we don't see that. Um, should we move on to another robot, which has divided opinion over the years, which is uh, Rip... Uh, so not Ripside, we've already done that. Uh, Hydra. Uh, we've had more from Will Hahn. Um, wait, wait, just before we start, oh, no, no, go do you guys different. remember when all we were worried about were Hydra controversies? <laughs> Listen, I thought okay. that was going to be like the thing. Cow catchers, right? Like driving I... style. Oh, he's he's not aggressive enough with the driving. Oh, like wow. I love the chaotic energy of the Team Wayachi podcast and the freaking <laughs> yes! Wisconsin dairy engineers. Okay, what is, what right? is going on? They're... When they go so through Reshuit's phone, is the best thing they've ever done. Like, I want more content like that. They are. <laughs> It makes me love that team so much more watching that show. They're hilarious. Like, as a family, they are so funny. These redneck precision machinists, these millionaires from Uttergun, okay, just <laughs> out here just uh, creating memes every single time. They've done 10 episodes, and I guarantee they've captured way more online buzz than we have over the course of oh, 400 episodes. Oh, yeah. right? For sure. 100%. I... I love it. Okay, I am here for it. I'm here for the chaotic Waiachi energy. Okay. Um, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like a bygone era, Kyle. All right. And I, I love that they lean into it. Okay. That's such a weird family, and I'm here for it. Be weird, guys. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. They're totally weird and they're great. I love them. I want Reese Ewart to come on somebody's podcast that's not the family's, but the fact that we get to see him be ridiculous on that show all I don't the time. Think, I don't think we do him justice. None of us would do him justice. He's, he's yeah. just, you know, I mean, he, 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 like, he's clearly very uncomfortable talking to, to Chris and Kenny as well. Like, that makes it even more funny because you yeah. can see that he hates it, but like, <laughs> he still delivers gold every time he opens his mouth. It's wonderful. <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot of what Will says is kind of, uh, comes from, you know, it being a, a floor seam magnet, um, it's likely going to be retired this season. Um, heard that before. Well, we've heard it before, but I mean, would BattleBots be a lesser place without Hydra in it? I'm going to say a big firm yes. Yeah. Regardless of if Jake comes back with his, you know, another robot of his design and of their design, you know, I have no doubt it'd be excellent. And from what we discussed on you know, earlier this season with, with him, he, he has a, a very good idea about what he wants to bring, but Hydra is just something special. And the fact that it's still delivering, you know, it beats Sawblaze, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the fact that that beats Sawblaze, Sawblaze obviously went on to win, you know, Hydra is basically unchanged in four years. And it's, st- I mean, I know Copperhead is as well, but Copperhead is, you know, was an absolute dense unit of a robot whereas hydra is just you know it's very soft and it, it has weaknesses and we know they're, they're very well you know documented but he still delivers it and i i, I hope that for everyone's sake the hydra sticks around 
I still believe that if it weren't for a frog on an upswing, Hydra would have a giant nut right now. Like if you really? look at that, oh, yes. Stop. That's, yes. A hot, that's a hot take. That's a hot take. What? You if it you... wasn't for a frog on an upswing, Hydra would have a giant nut right now. Because it would be Hydra versus Huge. You get Hydra Vert. Hydra still Vert got, versus Huge. Still got to get past Sawblaze again. I, I don't think it would have gone the same, exactly the same way. I think that Hydra has Sawblaze's number. I think there's no way around it. I think oh there's no God, way around Kyle. it. Kyle. Kyle. It's happened gross. twice now. They've beaten them twice now. Like, come on. I mean, I mean not... once. But I know Bunker Jamo, yeah. and I don't think there's any planet where he lets that happen another time. Exactly. I'm, I'm, yeah, Christine's right. And, you know, what's to say that, you know, Huge has a has a, a solution for the Hydra. You know, Hydra's got a turn with that weapon, and it's it's the center of gravity. Jonathan says he has a good plan for it. Yes. Mm. Mm. I'm gonna just I also say, would I've... add in there, I think that, that Ribot exposed something with Hydra that nobody else had previously figured out, and that's if you just don't drive up the front of it and make Jake make a move, then you can have some success. And so I, I think that like David did that brilliantly. Yeah. In my head, like Hydra still seems new. Like it seems yeah. like a modern robot. Like I think it needs to have one more. And it got so far this season. How, how can you retire it when it went so far? Like I get it if it didn't make the top 32, you know? But like when when you look at like legacy robots that like barely make the top thirty two, like I think when Tombstone comes back, if Tombstone comes back, there's a good chance that it may not even make the top thirty two. That's when it's time to retire, mm. you know. But like Hydra went far, like what what is it? top eight, you know, this season. Um, so yeah, I I, I think I think it's got one more season in it. Well, mm. Hydra was lights out. I mean. I honestly, I think that when you look at the season and look at Hydra losing to Tantrum and losing to Ribot, I think that if you get in Jake's head in some way, you have a much higher probability of success. And Tantrum was absolutely in his head, um, which is, I think, why he lost that. And then with Ribot kind of having that standoff, I, I don't think Jake really knew what to do because people just don't do that. So mm. I, I think that's kind of the key to success. Yeah, we got outthinking, which is hard to do because he's he's very good at getting in other people's heads. But if if you Una reverse him, then it's it's possible. Uh, Copperhead, Copperhead team member Chad knew. Copperhead is now the number one underrated robot. That is, it's is it a hot take? It's I, rated. I'd say it's well rated. I, I that's what I mean. Like you can't underrate it now because it's it's got a top four. Although if yep. you look at it, look at its path to that top four. I suppose you can it doesn't the copperhead does not have the same kind of rabid fans that other robots have okay no. like its fans are purely you know very they're very colorado both in like their uh, they're kind of just like world view you know which is like we're quietly confident we do well you know like we've got a little weird streak and uh you know like we're, we're here to to win you know and it's reliability like that's the number one thing like um and and their their post fight interviews are just very forgettable. Their their pit entrances, like their their like tunnel entrances, are incredible. But uh, you know, like you gotta you gotta have you gotta have like a Martin Mason or something on your team to like really kind of spice up those post fight interviews. You gotta like, I, I think in general post fight interviews are terrible. Like I think Battlewatch should cut all of them. That's my hot take. Okay. <laughs> um, I've never heard a post fight interview. 
other than Riptide. Oh my God, I've become a Riptide stand. Okay, where like uh, it's generated. <laughs> now there's a hot take. <laughs> it's generated any kind of like uh, conversation or discourse afterward. You know, um, it's just it's it's a lot of like platitudes. You know, which is fine. I don't know. They all love each other, right? But like, say something. You know, like say something yeah. like really interesting or insightful. Like I want to see like the kind of deep insights there versus having them um, re-record them, ADR them in two months later, you know, with, with Kenny, like trying to pretend that, you know, he saw something in the fight that, uh, you know, it was inhumanly, humanly impossible, you know, to, to see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, lo- love you guys, but uh, yeah, maybe you gotta, y- y- your reliability is is holding you back, I think, as a team, okay? The bot is too reliable. That's that's why. At least be more Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, next robot is Manta. Now we've just—it's yeah, those... not even in Battlebots well, yet. Well, as of today, they've announced. Well, today when we we're recording this, um, they announced that it's going to be fighting Triton at Proving Grounds, which yep. is exciting. But um, Anthony Presnell—I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. I'm really sorry. Um, says Manta wins the Giant Nuts this upcoming season. That is a hot take, but it's a big ask. It's yeah. a big ask. I yeah. like the builder. Nick Dabakov is a great builder. And know, I like, I like the robot. Robots. The robot looks, um, it looks fantastic and it did really well at Robo Games. There's levels to this. I want to see it take on Riptide because I feel like they're kind of like a journey is similar. I don't think the Nick's personality is at all like Ethan's, but like kind of the mega egg beater, super powerful, you know, like well driven robot um, is similar. But. Uh, I don't know. I think you you need a little bit of a little bit of extra magic to win the giant net. I think for season eight, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to be seeing a four wheel drive convert. Just a basic box with a huge weapon win it all. You know, next season. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's a big ass. You know, with respect to the robots that they beat, because they did, they did beat big opposition in you know Malice and Mad Catter and others. You know, Terratops as well. Obviously, that the infamous incident with Terratops. Um, but they, with respect, you know, Mad Catter has not got past the top eight before. And, you know, Manto clearly has shown, you know, great potential. But when it fights a Witch Doctor or, a, or even a Huge or a Sawblaze, it's going to be a different story, I think. But I will happily be clipped up and be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, so the next one, I didn't expect this to be on the hot takes list, but it is is Witch Doctor. We had an anonymous, anonymous submission. Witch Doctor is a cultural appropriation and makes me feel icky. Discuss. This is, uh, as a person who has done admin work on the BattleBots Facebook group for quite some time, this is the, not a new hot take. Uh, this has been around for a long time, both um, with conservative type folks trying to do a gotcha um as well as just people genuinely concerned about the issue um Kyle, you're, frankly, you're, you're a resident florida man you know like i feel like you you've got probably the best opinion about this right i guess first off do we all like do we have a the cultural basis to like even have this conversation maybe kyle you can kind of explain what what a witch doctor even is you know sure so uh witch doctor would be a derogatory term meant to uh signify a voodoo practitioner or a voodoo priest um somebody who comes from a creole based culture right uh we're talking about 
Louisiana areas, as well as like French Canada, uh, Haiti, those types of communities. Um, it is very much so what white people would call the practicers of those religions in the past. And, um, you know, popularized in songs like Witch Doctor. Um, is it cultural appropriation when we're talking about it in terms of like 2023? Should we be talking about uh, religious groups and, and indigenous cultures that way? Uh, yes, it is. Like, there's no other way around it. It absolutely is. Um, is it appropriate? Probably not. Uh, is it super problematic? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's super problematic or not. You would have to talk what's, to people within those the, cultures. What's, what's the, like the, uh, maybe like for, for people who aren't from the South, you know, like what's kind of like the, the equivalent kind of, you know, um, well, especially since you're talking about a derogatory term for a religious leader, I'm not sure that there sure. is. I'm not okay. sure that there is. You know what I mean? Because like, there's no derogatory right. term for a priest. There's no derogatory term for. Um, now, you know, now I'm like wildly trying to think of derogatory terms. Yeah, for it's a, it's right actually now, a separate type of of kind of insult than you would you would have directed towards other cultures because it is specifically towards a a religious leader in those cultures. So, it, it technically a religious yeah. minority as well. You know? Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, right. So I do feel like it is somewhat inappropriate for sure. Um, I still love Team Witch Doctor. I love Mike and Andrea. I don't think that they had bad intentions when they created the team or the theme or any of that. Um, but I do think it's inappropriate. Yeah. Maybe on reflection. I suppose, you know, it's it's hard to to decipher really, but I, I think you're right, you know, for, for someone who's, you know, not massively familiar with, with, the, with the term, it's, it's kind of difficult to to understand it but you know I, I think it's yeah it is a tricky one to decipher and if, I suppose if, if BattleBots are happy with it I guess it's fine I'm sure they must have had to run it by a load of networks before so I guess mm -hmm. no do you think no. so do you think so there's no guardrails over at BattleBots all right they, they, <laughs> I should they let the the autism lollipop millionaire in okay like uh <laughs> what, what's going on there they, they right? did not vet that at all they did not vet that at all like there was no vet like literally you, 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 you guys when he found out it was being talked about on reddit so every, everybody thinks that BattleBots is like this 100 person organization they got like whole legal team like and like people. you know <laughs> vetting and everything no no it's Greg and Trey okay and like two uh, two interns all right um yeah no that's interesting yeah which doctor i don't know it's uh I, I would be really curious to hear mike and andrea's thoughts on it i mean like i i i mean like they're they're both from florida like you know they're they're both from the from the south and like uh i don't know like it's interesting it's interesting huh all right Good, good take, anonymous fan. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, certainly, an interesting discussion point. Uh, the last robot we're going to talk about is Mad Catter. Uh, Ryan Hunter, who runs Pit Control or helps run Pit Control at NHRL, says that Calvin Eber would be untouchable on a well-funded team with a big sponsor behind him. Discuss. Hmm. Interesting. I don't, I don't know what I'd say untouchable, just because Lynx has been beaten, um, but he would certainly be up there. I mean, it would be he would be very difficult to beat. I think given the budget that Mad Catter has operated on for the last few years, you know, re-spooling motors, <laughs> using motors from back when they went to China in 2018, 2019, the fact that it's still, as they're getting into the you know, top 16s and still giving top tier machines runs for their money there's an argument to say you know 
if let's hypothetical, if Calvin had Riptide as an example, would he be winning the, the whole thing? There's a there's a reasonable shout to say, yeah, he probably would. I don't know. I mean, I've said it before, uh, but you know, there's good good drivers with bad robots and bad drivers with good robots. Every once in a while, you have a good driver with a good robot. Um, I don't think Magpatter is a bad robot at all. It's fine, um, but I think that um, it's maybe maybe bad is the wrong word. Maybe it's like tuned to the driver's style. Like Calvin Eva has a very specific drive style um, in other weight classes and Madcat is just not able to deliver that kind of performance that he really excels in. Um, like, you know, uh, Calvin is not like a really big shovey kind of guy. Like he is a line it up and come across like at a diagonal and just hit you with the most force you've ever seen in your entire life. Yep. Um, he's an incredibly precise driver. He's a fast driver and Mad Catter is more of like a kind of drifty, kind of soft, like soft kind of like turning kind of robot. Um, and it doesn't have those just like very precise angles that you see yeah. on Calvin's other robots. Um, I mean, Riptide does have those angles. Like you see a lot of speed out of that robot. You see like a lot of, of those, those types of strong angles, which I guess would make sense. Um, given its uh its uh, design inspirations um but uh yeah I don't, I don't know like i'm i i am i am eager to see calvin's like heavyweight like um i'm i'm positive it's coming at some point um and uh yeah i think i think we we might see different types of performance you know out, out of him piloting a different robot yeah 100 right moving on i've now got the uh, changes to the arena hazards and existing arena hazards issues, starting with, of course, the upper deck. The upper deck. Um, lots of people have kind of offered solutions to try and make it a little bit more, uh, maybe you know, aesthetically pleasing. You know, Alex Hall said, you know, use it in those as triangles in the corners. Um, other people say they like the upper deck as a concept, but they should be smaller to open up spaces. Uh, from Joseph. Jerebeck, I hope I've said that right as well. Um, Michael Clements, I like his idea of the 10 second countout should start as soon as the robot is put up there. I'm, I'm sure I've said that before as well. I, I think that'd be a really interesting, you know, the floor is lava, you've got 10 seconds to get off, regardless of whichever way it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you've got to go back. And if, if the robot's waiting for you, well, unlucky, then you're going to get hit. You've been put up there, you've got to take some pain to get down. At the moment, it doesn't really feel like it, it doesn't really do anything different. Yes, it's, you know, texture and, you know, gradient to the arena, but, like, there's nothing... It doesn't offer anything as a threat. It's just a raised piece of arena. What do you guys think to the upper deck? That was the original idea, wasn't it? Like, as soon as you get up there, the countdown starts, like, you're you're out of the arena. Like, I remember There was, when... like, a... Meant to be a, a, like, the whole lip was meant to go all the way around originally, wasn't it? And then they yeah. changed it to have yes. the... You'd be able to just drive off the sides. You either had to go over the screws and... Or it's, you know, I think Hughes was the only one who was able to actually drive off the sides. Whereas now they've just made it so everyone can drive I, off the sides. I've heard a story. I wasn't there. So I might be passing on bad information to our many, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of fans. Um, but I, from what I understand, 
originally. So like the upper deck was announced like four weeks before the show was going to start. So everyone already shipped all their robots. They already chosen all their configurations. They had no idea the upper deck was happening. And BattleBots basically got all the builders, like they they notified them, here's the upper deck. It's going to have this lip, right? And once you're stuck up there, you know, it's going to be a 10 second automatic counter. It was like brutal for the kind of like first iteration. And there was so much like just protests inside of the community. They were like, look, I, I don't even have like a configuration for this. I, I'm here for ground game. This is anti ground game, you know? Um, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to lose this entire season. Thanks for like ha having me burn $50,000. This was before they were paying the builders. And um, so they, they neutered the, the upper deck and like, it hasn't come back, you know? Um, floors lava is really interesting, but I mean, you can also do that with like just paint on the floor, you know, like, Oh, you enter this zone and it immediately triggers this kind of like digital display or something, you know? Um, I do really like the, um, the kill, the, not the kill cells, the, um, the, the screws like being a little bit further out, but I mean, you could just put those in the arena too. I, I don't know. Like it'd be kind of cool if you could drive behind it, like, yeah. and really kind of have like an island in the middle sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, to Alex, Alex Kreese's earlier points, I mean, like it just kills horizontals as a type, like it's no longer rock, rock, paper, scissors. It's like, you know, gun cupcake, like, um, I don't know, textbook. It's weird. It, um, so uh yeah yeah it's it's a hard like that was a hard topic for me i talked about it a lot in my interviews after last season and you know i i really dislike the idea of something that gives a significant disadvantage to one type of robot and no one you know not a lot of the other ones you know i think it should be fair all the way around so like if you're going to do something it should have the same effect no matter what type of robot that you have, um, or, because that because that diversity that we're talking about, you know, it, it inhibits that level of diversity because people are going to be discouraged from making certain types of robots due to this specific hazard. So, like, it, there needs to be some other way, I think. Or if you want to discourage all of your robots becoming <laughs> four wheel drive verts, then like create an arena hazard that counters four wheel drive verts, like, like a pit versus like a pit. That's an interesting idea, Sam. Like, have have they ever done that before? Like, well, it's un-American, Sam. I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'll actually, a lot of people asking about pits and saying, you know, we should put pits in the battle box. I am reluctant to say that doing that because I think, I mean, I love Robot Wars. I, I grew up watching Robot Wars from when I was three years old. But this is, it, it, battle box is a bit different. And I don't think a pit is the solution. Correct. Sam, nobody loves Robot Wars because of the pit. It's not like oh, people but it's, are like, it's, oh my it's god, a... there's a show with no, a pit. Oh no, my god. I, I, the I pit disagree. affects the design. I'll tell you, the tell you why it affects love... the design meta. So I see where no, Sam's no, no. coming from. No, 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 no. Sam, the reason why they love Robot Wars is because each one of those little uh, English like uh, builders, okay, they look like you and me, okay? They look like people <laughs> who built something in their garage and came there with their kids, okay? They don't look like an F1 race team that mm. of, you know, of like super geniuses. Okay. They look like, uh, like, like mail carriers and, you know, like a gas station, uh, you know, like owners and but, stuff like that. But, that's why they love that scrappy show. Okay. That's, that, that, that's another good point. So my thing is if, if you have, if you had a pit, for example, that offers yeah. a Hail Mary to a robot losing a fight. Yes. 
Yeah, and I, I yeah. love that. I, you know, you could be getting absolutely trashed. You know, the whole fight, your weapon's broken. You've got two wheels hanging off. Yeah. But you can go for the pit option. Maybe don't have it for the whole fight. You know, have it, have it, have it as a, you can have it after a minute or two minutes, like the kill source, uh, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But I, I am, I think, you know, the option of, okay, it's an auto win, but you have to wait for it and you have to take all this punishment first. It's then an option for you. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a all the all the fight round option but i feel like you know if, if you're who could be used this season as an example like let's say i don't know lockjaw when it's getting you know trashed by witch doctor if they kept going for another you know 30 seconds a minute whatever the pit becomes available they push them down oh my god what an upset that that's for me that's you know there's there's art of that but maybe i'm just weird <laughs> It would certainly generate more controversy than the upper yes. deck. The upper deck, like the controversy is about the upper deck. It's not about the fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, um, you know, this robot was losing and it managed to nudge its opponent, the super dominant robot, down into this pit and immediately win. Like, people hate that. Okay. You know, I, like, I feel uh, like people would like that. I don't know. I feel like, you know, the, the shakeups would be unbelievable. Like, you know, You'd, you'd see things like Claw Viper maybe winning the championship because it can oh, outdrive yeah. it can outdrive everything. Yeah, uh, change the meta in a in a different way, like probably a more beneficial way. Right now, the upper deck just changes the meta and that making yeah. the dominant like robot more dominant than before. Yeah, which was the, such a bad idea. Right? Why? Why do that? You know? Yeah. Why indeed do that? Um, I'm trying to look if there's any more upper deck things we kind of want to cover. I don't think there's anything major to kind of, yeah, like Carl Cuffrey, he said about, you know, incorporating terrain, which is ever, which ever, a lot of people wanted to do, but there's no, there's no real, you know, he said add a lift back on because that's what there was originally. There's no real jeopardy to it. It's just there. Whenever people say terrain, I always imagine them just backing a dump truck in and just uh, <laughs> put a little gravel sand on the floor. On the floor. Yes, yeah, exactly. that's what I, want I would actually be okay with just make little mounds of different material throughout the battle box. You know, like a little dirt mound, a little gravel mound, uh, you know, a little sand mound. I think that'd be great. My my dream, my dream is that uh, there are like ten battle boxes all over the world and every single battle box is different mm. you go to the uk you've got your pit battle box right you know you go to the you go to las vegas you've got your slot machine battle box you know what i mean like i don't know right you know you you hit a big button and like it starts to spin and then something pops out i don't know right is this um, like uh like different pokemon gyms around the world is that yes. like kind of how you're like, yes, yes yes exactly all right and so for you to be the actual international winner, you got to like build a robot that can defeat all of these, you know, these gems, you know, and you go to the super battle box on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Less gravity <laughs> battle box. Okay. Yeah. Has to be, has to be like 90 uh, foot tall to, to accommodate Hydra's flips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so oh good. Gosh. Yes. Battle bots on the moon was faked, but we filmed it on location. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's talk about changes to the arena hazards. Get rid of uh, them all. Just throw them out the window. No, come on. Ah. Come on now. <laughs> Perfectly smooth. No divots in the floor. Nothing. You know, just a plain box. Yeah, I just want I want end game to win every fight. That's all it is. You know. That's literally what it would be. Um, let's start with so Onroy, Honroy, Onroy, Honroy. I'm gonna go with that. 
Uh, the screws pretty, are pretty much the only arena hazards that perform their advertised function, since the saws only add some movement variation with either ditching, with either fork catching or driving disruption, and the hammers are a more a control tool, as we've seen in multiple fights, you know, over the yeah. last couple of years, you know, people holding people in place and then, you know, running away and spinning up, things, that kind of thing. Um, Seth Schaefer from Bloodsport, um, BattleBots would be way better for control bots and more entertaining if they added a like an arena spinner on the side of the arena so people get pushed into them and then you know control bots have that way of damaging their, damaging their opponents um let's have a quick look put that right in the blind corner on the other side of the pit oh, just make things real God. chaotic let's go here's here's the reason why i love that it's because right now we do not have a flora's lava kind of thing where it's like i do not want to be in this little eight by eight square yeah. and like if you could show hey claw viper can consistently get their opponent into this kill corner right like and you're just waiting for it like can they get over there like can they shove them into that corner how much control do you really have like they talk about control but it looks like chaos because you're you don't know what is going on in that driver's head at any moment inside of the fight um it's not like oh these are the these are the actual strong kill saws or whatever you know what i mean like this this is the actual death zone and if you're in there that means you made a terrible mistake yeah. i think uh, would really just make it so much so much better Good jeopardy punish driving yeah. mistakes that kind of thing that would be just excellent how about um, how about this idea? We take uh like if you're a BattleBots champion, we take your weapon or a facsimile of your weapon and put it in one of those corners, right? So you just there's a tantrum weapon corner where you just get shoved into it and you're just getting punched by a spinner over and over again. You got a tombstone weapon corner where you're just getting shoved into the tombstone bar over and over. I love that idea. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Gets assimilated into the arena every year. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> um. I have to shout this one out because it's my teammate. Craig Croucher, the kill shores should kill more and be active all fight. 100%. But don't see why they're not. What, like, there's, at the moment, you don't really get to see them unless you go to the judge's decision. And not many fights do go that long anymore. Yep. I, I, look, I love the contrast of the kill saws have got to go from uh, Heather Stringfellow. I'm not sure about that one. I quite like the, uh, the slots are there. Uh, Alexander Archer says the same thing. Again... I'm inclined to disagree on that one. I feel like the kill saws are kind of a necessary evil to stop all of these super long forks that we talked about earlier on. Do you like the kill saws or do you like the slots? Because those are two different things. I will offer you one fight that only needs to exist to justify the kill saws, and that is Petunia versus Rotator. And if if only it happens one more time ever again. I'll be satisfied because you know Petunia had Rotator. They did it specifically. They put them over the kill slaws, and they shredded the wheel off. And that's all you need to see. May not happen as much anymore because of the you know Brazil wheels is kind of more commonplace now than in the, you know you kind of off the shelf you know, cart wheels, which a lot of teams are used to use. But I don't know. I don't, like, with the sparks go as well. It's just all very pretty. I don't know. I like the kill saws. It's designed for the spectacle, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I've talked to builders before where they're like, you know, just we hate them because they're just a um, a random factor in your fight, right? Mm. You're, you know, like you can lose a fight because there's this tiny little slot in the floor. Well, it's wider and... now because they have sparks. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Endgame was a championship the sh- robot until they added sparks. 
Um, Charlie Hubbard says the battle box would benefit from a floor flipper to break up the ground game meta. No, Charlie, they already have a floor flipper. They have two of them. They're right in the center of the battle box. They break them out for rumbles, which we don't have anymore. And they never run those stupid things, which sucks because I love the floor flippers. Bring them back. Go back and watch some of the original seasons of the reboot. Those flippers are active during the rumble fights. They're fun. They add chaos to the event. I love them. Every time I talk to somebody at BattleBots, they're like, oh, we hate those stupid things. We're never going to use them again. And I'm like, why? They're amazing. Like, it's so much fun. So, yes, I agree with Charlie. Uh, Not that they need to add floor flippers, but just turn the things on. Just turn them on. In the last minute of the fight with the kill saws and everything going, just turn them on. More chaos. More chaos. Like, last 30 seconds, like, all the arena has to just turn on simultaneously. And it's just, like, pure pure carnage happens. Absolutely. (laughs) If we're going to go to a judge's decision anyway, let's make it fun. Like, come on. Um, no, the floor flippers are there. They exist. Uh, I believe it's actually like in the BattleBots logos in the center mm-hmm. of the arena is where they they kind of hide them, but they're there. You can actually see the scene for them. They still exist. Um, they, they they just don't use them. Sad choices. <laughs> Christine, over to you. Uh, talking about rules, um, which is something that after World Championship 6, I was like, insanely passionate about and recognize the need for so many changes to the rules. Um, There were four fan submissions and I very much disagree with two of them. And there's two of them that I think are kind of interesting. So the first one was submitted by Robert Webb and says, all teams should be allowed to request a rematch if they are not happy with the outcome of their fight. Um, there was a little caveat there and said all rematches should take place in Final Destination, no items. I I very much Fox disagree only. with this. Very <laughs> much disagree, and I will tell you why. Um, the whole match steward role was added to negate the need to have rematches. Um, you know, after having talked to Mike about this and, and having him break down, you know, some of those decisions and those reviews, it makes complete sense. Like this is a solid thing to like review the match and make sure that nothing was missed. So I definitely don't see the need for a rematch in any situation. And I think that this just invites situations where somebody's like, I lost, I'm not happy with that. I want a rematch. And like, we we don't need that. I don't think that we need that. I think that the judges do a fine job. And just in case they miss something, that's what the match steward is for. I reckon introduce an encore thing like NRHR used to have. <laughs> I'm glad we just quietly got rid of that. Bring it back, it cowards. Still exists. <laughs> it, technically it technically still exists. Still exists. It technically still exists, but we don't do it anymore. And... But this this is the way that we find like the true diehard fans. You know, like people who've been like no, I've, I've been uh, with years, us mate. with I've us been, for yeah. years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll yell was, it I... out in the crowd, and we'll look at them and be like. Mm-mm. No. Please, please don't. The, no. the <laughs> we we stopped doing it, Kyle. Uh, like re- remind me, we stopped doing it because Joe someone Fabiani. was dominating. Someone was dominating a fight, and they called for an encore because it was super exciting and they wanted to see more destruction. And yep. the robot that was dominating ran out of juice in those final thirty seconds. Joe and Fabiani ended up yep. losing. It was a and speed we fight. Felt so terrible about it yeah. that. Like the 
the announcers because i mean we we are the ones who call for the the encore like yeah. we hear the audience calling for it and then we decide whether we're going to call for an encore they were going to give us an encore button at the very start of like when we started oh we had announcing. one we had an encore button and after joe was like hey uh this is what happened i felt so terrible about it that i've never called for one in like two years like yeah. now so uh i never want to be the reason somebody loses a fight yeah. that i have nothing to do with and that felt terrible that felt absolutely yeah. terrible so yeah we've just quietly decided that we're just never doing just, that park, again. just park it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is still it technically the rules, in the rules. though yeah yeah it, it's still yeah. technically there i'll remember that for two weeks time <laughs> when, when they when they eventually replace us with true chaotic announcers okay uh they're we're gonna be seeing encores all the time all right like it's yeah you're, you're gonna see encores and they're gonna be chugging prime energy drinks while the encores are happening and uh telling us all to like and subscribe it'll be great excellent yeah. So the next one is from Ryan Stanford and says, I would like to see the three minute timer go away if the competitors choose and just fight till both bots are counted out. I don't horrible. like this. And the reason is because you potentially could have a situation where you have two bots that are just kind of crowd blocking around the arena, not really doing anything. And that's not enough to get counted out. And it's going to be really boring and nobody wants to see that. So, you know, I think that you can have too much of a, a good thing and just three minutes is fine like three minutes is actually a decent amount of time and i think that that's perfectly you know acceptable to keep with that timer i have a compromise ryan stanford okay all right uh you should have a button where you can just add time you know like you you if you're a builder and you want and like but both both builders have to agree you know like we're gonna put 30 seconds on the oh. clock do you want 30 seconds okay yeah we're gonna put 30 seconds on the clock because like we're having such a good time it's like really close we want to keep it going you know like um give the builders that option and like just keep keep like adding more time you know what i mean and the, then uh the only thing i think that would work with that is batteries and i think yeah. ev everyone kind of calculates okay i need this much battery life to last for the the entire three minutes of the fight and, and right. no and no more you know and i think when it gets to two minutes 30 and this and someone says hey let's do an extra 30 seconds and one team's like oh battery's gonna be a bit sad after this fight. and, and the batteries tend to be the thing that go up in flames quite easily so I there's don't think also there's no other combat sport where that happens there's no other combat sport where the two people are beating the crap out of each other and one of them could be like i need 45 more seconds to beat this guy down like no that's not a thing like teeth hanging the, out, you know? the timing exists because you the fights are supposed to end when they're supposed to end and we need actual rubrics and metrics of like who won what fights in that time period if you start messing with how much time each person has then you start getting asterisks Right. Oh, this team has this many knockouts, but some of them were after the three minute mark. Like it's it becomes a whole separate game. It's it's I don't like it. No, don't do it. Are so, we a sport or are we like a fun thing that we do as a hobby, Kyle? OK, like are we are we spectacle or are we sport? All right. Are spectacle we human or like... are we dancer? I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I think that they're, we're trying to be a sport here. OK, um, yeah. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is for Mario Cast and said that BattleBots needs to balance the points awarded from damage, aggression, and control so that no one meta has the advantage. We do that at NHRL. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting um, mm -hmm. because, I mean, I agree. There are bots that certainly aren't going to do as much damage, but that doesn't mean that 
they haven't, you know, done their part in the fight. Um, so I, I do think that that is an interesting proposition. I know over here uh, in more recent events in the UK that, um, well, judge who's judged on an NHRL, Ryan Bradley's judged a few events now, I think more than one, mm -hmm. um, has kind of started developing a bit more of a, a matrix for uh, weapon effectiveness instead of damage. I know that came from Bashbots originally, the online yep. show, and has kind of been adopted over here for you know actual events. And as okay, at the same time, you know, if if a spinner is dominating for most of the fight and is, is causing more damage than is being bullied around, then it's it, it's still going to be come to the same result but there is that chance where okay they get a few nicks and it's not to the same level as being you know carried around for two and a half minutes and you get a 30 second rally at the end you know it does provide a viable strategy outside of having a big spinner to, to win I, I think it's it'd be interesting I, I feel like one aspect does need to have maybe especially for a tv show you need to have that kind of you need to see something happen you can't just you know having a big wedge block is kind of what BattleBots used to be 20 years ago, you know, 25 years ago. And doing that is is all well and good, but there needs to be something, you know, where it's going to cause excitement. It's going to see sparks flying. You're going to see bits flying off, whether that's being, you know, the one causing that to happen or forcing your opponent to do it to themselves. I think that has to be the kind of balancing point. I think there does need to be a, a slight bias towards damage in that sense, but... I don't know. It's, 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 again, it's a hard one to balance because is it a sport? Is it a TV show? Is it entertainment? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One thing I, I'll say I'm... is it's definitely battle bots, not cuddle bots. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to reveal something here and I hope Ooh. that it doesn't change your, your, your thoughts about me. Okay. I'm all down for damage and control. I don't really know what a, I mean, I know what aggression is, but I think we could take it out. Okay. Like, I think, <laughs> I think we could just do Ooh. damage and control. Okay. Uh, aggression, especially in battle wars. Aggression is just... like the weird, like, kind of like a middle ground where you're like, oh, okay, wow, there's a lot of damage. Maybe we can give some of it to aggression. Especially you know what in I mean? battle bots like, where aggression is your weapon usage, which is like, yeah. well, isn't that damage? Right. <laughs> isn't that the same thing? Yeah. Just uh, not really, though. Because with who's, who's more damaged and who showed more control? That's more binary. You know what I mean? Like uh, we could, we could, we could maybe maybe do away with aggression. Right? What's, what's aggression really? You know, <laughs> it's too it's too gray. Okay, for me, like uh, I want black and white. Yeah, no, I would I also that. argue with the like the damage part of the argument is that like. The reason why I've always had questions about damage is because for me, when I'm watching a match, I always want to give the advantage to the robot that's doing purposeful things. And when it comes to damage, there are situations where you can just get lucky shots where you're not trying to damage the robot necessarily, where it just happens naturally. And that's not purposeful. And you're going to get damage points, even though you weren't actually trying to do the damage. So, right. you know, that would be my argument for like saying, hey, maybe they all should be even because that's a thing. Yep. Hmm. So... That, that was what I thought about that one. And then the last one is definitely a very highly like debated thing that I've seen over time. And that's talking about adding tap outs to BattleBots, um, which, you know, NHRL does have the tap out button. And I think that I've always been on the side of not doing that for BattleBots. BattleBots, you know, they, they don't do that. It's not a thing. But 
there's never been a situation until this past season where you've had a team that's being overly aggressive and not really abiding by kind of the code. Um, so like, is that necessary for a situation where a team is not following just that like unspoken code that like everybody else abides by? Laugh out there for the combat robot hipster. Okay. All right. Like you can, you can see a, it's, it's like the same as like soccer, Sam. All right, I'm I'm trying to connect with you on a cultural level, okay? I uh, you know, like when when they you call see it a, oh, football, it's a, we do. It's a, <laughs> all right, you're wrong, but it's okay. Wow. When you see, when you see that, when you see a nil nil, uh, you know, three hour soccer game, okay? Like the the true say like it's amazing. Oh, it's so wonderful. That's that's what the tap out button is, okay? Like it's a nil nil. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> The only reason I tap out works at NHRL is because we're doing 25 fights every hour, okay? Like, uh, they're doing seven fights over the course of two hours with ads, okay? Like, you know, oh, wow, 45 seconds to this fight, somebody tapped out. Terrible for the Discovery Channel. It, the True. show would get canceled, okay? Yeah, like, for us, it's doing... fun to yell, oh, my gosh, that's a tap out. He gives up. He's done. He's out of here. You know, like, that's fun, but it, it would be the same thing. But you got to follow that up with 20 more fights, okay? Yeah. All right, so people are going to be tuning out. Yeah. I think, ultimately, the, the, the real elephant in the room is it shouldn't be needed because 49, be, teams, yeah. 49 teams this season did a good job of you know, not laying into their opponent when it's dead, and one didn't. But yeah. you know, should, should we accommodate that one team by having a tap-out button to, so that they absolutely know when to stop? Maybe, but it hasn't been necessary for six years up to this point. Why suddenly yeah. now? By the if, way, to all, BattleBots... the, to all of the it's not BattleBots, it's CuddleBots people yeah. who are screaming, you shouldn't need a tap out button because these bots should be destroying each other. And if you don't destroy each other, you're you know not doing your job. You're not entertaining me. Um, I want you to go back and watch the Gigabyte versus Tombstone fight where Ray Billings is laughing menacingly and yelling, stop moving, John, or I'm going to have to kill you. It's good sportsmanship. It's terrifying. And it's great TV. Like all of these things exist. It can exist simultaneously. It doesn't have to be a black or white cuddle bots versus battle bot situation here. The 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 cuddle bots mouth breathers. Okay, like the whole reason why they they say that is because they <laughs> believe erroneously that all of these teams are sponsored by Coca Cola and Which Chevy and the whole thing. Okay, yeah. if. If, if I had a $200,000 budget and I had nine robots back there, absolutely, every single one of our fights are going to go the full three minutes and you're going to see the worst destruction in your entire life, okay? And that's what people assume when they say that. They're like, these are highly funded teams. I saw the uh, the Viagra ad that ran right before this their fight. <laughs> they must have got a cut of that money. You know what I mean? They do not understand oh, that gosh. like... Battle bots, the teams, they are they they all roll out of the tunnel like looking the same, basically, but their life circumstances and their team finances are very, very different. Yeah. Um, because BattleBots does a terrible job of like telling that story, like of creating those stakes. Like they take out um some of the emotional stakes from the from the story because they are so focused on we are a real serious sport right and they are missing these like really big emotional beats that you could tell in the story that are really interesting because like 
we all have to wear suits and we have to like make it seem like it's it's boxing and the whole thing and we're here in vegas and our our opening shot is this like huge shot of millions of dollars worth of casinos and stuff like that it's it's a it's a choice um and i just i don't i don't i don't necessarily agree with that choice um but yeah so like you know you watch it and you're like Kyle, you don't actually. All right, if if I was to actually press you on this, you you would agree with me. But like this this like this like fake narrative that they've created of like this is a real sport and it runs for months and months at a time and these are all highly paid engineers and like you know there's huge amounts of money in the sport and the whole thing. Like of course you're gonna look at that and if you're not that bright, you're gonna be like yeah, of course I want to see total destruction every single time. Yeah. Like why? Why are they holding back? Like it's Coca Cola's money. It's not yours, you know. Like go, go for it, you know. Yeah. It's like an, when when you watch a crash on NASCAR, you never feel bad for like uh, the the team's finances. You're just like, oh, I'm sure they've got another car, you know. Like <laughs> it's not coming out of the driver's pocket, you know. Right. Yeah, stuff to to think about. Um. So moving on from changes to the rules, we're talking about changes to the show. Um, and there's definitely a lot of these. So I'm gonna kind of highlight some ones that I find interesting. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, Sawblaze team member, Eli Davis said, recording match commentary after the fact and pretending it's live is bad. Pretending the Golden Bolt tournament is months after the main tournament is bad. Yeah. Um, I would agree. And, and mainly because most of us know we're not fooled. Like most of us that watch the show regularly know all of this. So to even pretend that 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 it's that's what's going on is just makes no sense. Like I think that it actually hypes up more to be like, hey, here's the end of the, the giant nut, and then we'll have our, like, continuation of that season for the Golden Bolt, like, a few months later. I mean, I think that actually creates better hype. Yeah. Yeah, it is the one aspect of, you know, we were comparing kind of BattleBots to professional wrestling. It is the one aspect where BattleBots tries to maintain some semblance of kayfabe, where they're like, oh, yeah, this is months at a time that these things happen, and um the season shot like every weekend we're putting a new season a new episode together and like that's it is very strange i do think that there's a lot more stakes to say hey the golden bolt tournament is happening literally the week after the main tournament happened everybody's tired everybody's exhausted their bots are worn down they have nothing left to lose they're probably not bringing this version of the bot next season um, that's why you see some of the best fights in that Golden Bolt tournament because you see them on their last legs with nothing left to lose and they're going to like put on a really good match. Win open um, it. Yeah. And they never they never mention it. They never mention it. And it's like, but uh, it's so clear if you know what's going on that that's what's happening and it's cool. Um, they never mention it. It's sad. I, I, I'm going to say like it feels like to me like BattleBots does not have like the confidence that it needs to like show you behind the scenes. Like for them, they are, they worry that like, if I show you how small the, like the show actually is to show you how small, like the production is, it's only two weeks, right? Um, We like, we're going to turn off viewers. And I, I think, I think like the flip side to that is like, we're all super fans. And so like, we, we love that stuff. And like, they are building it for 950,000 non-super fans. And right. for the non-super fans, like, they are they're watching this because they uh kept the tv on for too long while they were cooking and they're like oh my god they're fighting robots on tv you know what i mean like um 
but I mean, like, I, I feel like when the super fans get together, like we envision this show that's very different than BattleBots. Like it is a show that is much more kind. It is a show that is much more about the builders themselves than about the robots. It's like, it's, we're going to go into your shop and we're going to take a look at like the design decisions that you made. And like, we're going to kind of follow your entire season because you're a builder outside of, you know, our show. And you know, like we're going to take you into the pits and we're going to give you lots of supplemental content. And like, um, we're going to show you like the real kind of like mad dash to get your robot through this one hellish week, you know, like we're going to send, you know, <clears throat> TV crews home with you. So you, you can see your, your, uh, you know, your squalid Airbnb conditions and that you're getting two hours of sleep in, you know, um, but like you need to have confidence in your concept to do that, you know? Um, and like as super fans, we, we obviously feel confidence in that, but I think that there's probably something to be said for like the show doesn't exist without, or the show in its current form on discovery channel, you know, doesn't exist without um, the mouth breathers watching the show. And, you know, like they're, they're, they're the real audience. Yeah. Um, there is another take here, one that I really like from Horizon team member Alex Price, that cutting out intros for some fight makes sense, but don't cut out all of a team's intros because it undermines the time spent by everyone involved, you know, the teams, Farouk, etc. And basically that it's, you know, the same idea as a wrestling promo, that if you don't give the teams a chance to, like, have fans see them and you know get to know them and stuff then fans are never going to latch on to those teams and i agree that like yes if you heavily promote like all of the top teams that all the fans already like then none of the other teams really have that much of a chance it's a lot harder for them to gain a fan base if they're not being seen yes yes i agree with that it's it's unfair as well because you know when we spoke to um to Luke um, Quinn from Copperhead, like he was kind of explaining about how last season, season six, you know, it was Robert Cowan as the team captain, and you know they they had of you know of their four fights, they had only they, had, they only had two. All of his interviews were cut, and their third fight was highlighted anyway. So they got literally the least screen time out of every team in the building, and then they didn't do bounty hunters because they were the last fight to, in the round of sixteen. And that was their season. You know, they spent all that money, all that time, all that effort for not very much, you know, in terms of, you know, content or whatever else. So, you know, ultimately, you know, everyone who goes on to BattleBots wants to, you know, wants to show off their work on TV. You know, it's a great, it's a great advert for themselves. If, you know, even in a professional sense, you know, you can put it on your CV and say, hey, I've done this. Hire me. It, that then also kind of, limits you know if you're limited at what you actually appear on tv your screen time is, is quite low then none of your personality gets across you kind of you're limited in that sense you know lots of teams like your hypershocks of the world brilliant you know selling themselves and you know they, they get a lot of screen time because they are wonderful on camera they're you know big personalities not everyone is but you know you know everyone kind of needs to have, a, have that kind of in to be like okay this is who we are look at us and they need to have that kind of moment in the sun, basically. And, you know, not everyone does get that, as we've seen this year. You know, Horizon, you know, I think had a, I can't remember if they had a intro cut or, you know, an interview cut here and there, but they probably did. You know, they had obviously one fight win. So they only got one 
after post-fight interview, basically. And a lot of their screen time was limited into just Horizons here. It's been beaten by Monsoon. Great. You know, well done. That team, you know, they, they've got so many interesting people on that team who make cool things. You know, the, the robot itself is incredibly cool, but we don't get to see it because it's it's because it is different. And the thing I love about BattleBots too is that like these weird little things happen with the teams that have no context. They never bring it up. Like Alex is wearing a taco hat, you know, mm-hmm. like for uh, you know uh, the entire season because that is their self writer, right? It's a it looks taco. Like a taco. Yeah. And it's like they didn't say anything about that. Okay, it just looked like somebody <laughs> out there, like a lunatic, wearing a taco hat. Okay, <laughs> same, same thing with Copperhead, right? You know, like we've got Clyde Magnuson, like for two of their four fights, out there, and it's like, uh, who is Bob the Builder? Like, you know, like they don't even bring it up. It's like I, I wore this whole costume. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> and you, you've, and you've neglected to bring up any of my team lore whatsoever. It's just like every once in a while, you just see somebody who's got a great outfit on, and uh, I don't know. Like, there's, I just, I think that Clyde would be very offended that you're saying that his actual personal protective gear is a costume. Um, that is belittling, and I am offended for Clyde. Just saying. If Clyde were if here, Clyde, if Clyde were here. <laughs> If Clyde could figure out how to watch this on YouTube or download it on a you know streaming platform, like uh, you know he can come for me. But uh, I don't I don't have a whole lot of a lot of faith in Clyde's technological prowess. Wow. Right. Shots yeah. fired at Clyde Magnuson. He does. He does. He can still use the NHRL Wi-Fi from that bus, though. So be careful. He might be able to figure He's... it out. <laughs> He's trading free labor for living inside of that bus, Sam. Okay, like it is. Right. It is it's bleak bad. out there. It's when you, bad when you out come there. Down, the smell is overpowering. Okay? <laughs> I don't know how he's going to survive the winter this year. We got to figure that out for him. But yeah, it's it's bad. God bless. Yes. So I have two more show-related hot takes that I'll I'll go into. Um, one of them is from YouTube user Simon Hadger. Sorry if I butchered your last name. Um, my hot take is that Chris and Kenny are not that great. Quite often they say something factually wrong or show they do not know that much about the sport as a whole, like referring to Overkill's sword as a giant anime sword. Um, having I, interviewed he... having interviewed Kenny and uh, knowing what we know about them, these are professionals who professionally announce sports competitions and do the research that they are required to do to do that. Are they combat robots fans outside of their job? Probably not. I'll bet this is one of their favorite gigs that they do throughout the year. I'll bet they love doing it. But I know that Kenny doesn't go like watching the other competitions. I know that Chris is not like tuning into NHRL, right? Like they are, they're in the community. So as much as they have this fun two week summer camp that they get to do once a year and they love it. And they read their little binders and they have their interviews and they learn what they can about everybody and they do their job and they do their job well. I think it's kind of uh, an unfair expectation in some ways to expect them to know everything about combat robotics. Here's the thing, okay? There are, okay, Sam, I'm sorry. I'm going to bring up an American sport again. Baseball, for example, okay? Baseball. It's like cricket, but better. There there are easily... (laughs) A million baseball super fans. People who watch baseball, they 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 are there. They like they watch all the stats. 
they yes. love baseball so much as a sport that they get their kids into baseball. Like they, they go, they've, they've got all these local leagues that they go to, right? There's just people who are baseball people. Okay. Yeah. They know who won and, the world series and played in the world series for the past 50 years or whatever. And some of those like young baseball people, right. And they grow up to become announcers and those announcers love baseball so much as a sport that even if they got fired from ESPN, they'd be watching ESPN to watch baseball. They just love baseball. Right. Chris Rose and, is one of those people about baseball. <clears throat> yes. If, 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 Chris Rose got fired. I guarantee you he'd still be watching baseball coverage every single weekend because he's a super fan of baseball. Right? right. And that's what our sport needs. We need to have super fans who are also announcers. And like it, it's it, like when when we have these kind of like uh, mercenary announcers. All right. I love Chris and Kenny, but they're they're not super fans. They're barely even fans. OK. Uh, like it shows on their commentary because it's not that deep. Like you are watching a fight and interesting stuff is happening inside the box. That they do not understand because they have not seen a bunch of fights and they're not obsessed with the sport. And we don't have great super fan announcers yet. I, I mean, Kyle, I'm sorry. I mean, like we're, we're super fans. We're mediocre amateur announcers. announcers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I we're it. amateur announcers at best. But like, I love this sport so much. Yes. And like, I happen to become an announcer if I wasn't I was watching, if first. I wasn't working at NHRL, I would be watching every NHRL. Would Kenny be watching even BattleBots as a fan, like if he wasn't Maybe, the announcer? But, but I don't know. Yeah, That's I don't know. He's. I've never seen a Kenny Florian post on the BattleBots group. You're like, hey, hey guys, I got a hot take. You know what I mean? Like I've been, I've been watching some of the old footage, and here's my take. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's crazy to me that they're not part of the community at all. And like, right. and their BattleBots is cool with that, you know. Like, Chris Rose does not like exist on BattleBots internet at all, and that is wild to me that he's he the does voice his, like, of sponsored, the show. He does his sponsored Instagram posts about BattleBots, where he'll do like, um, a, they you know, look like they're being held hostage. Okay, like, hello, <laughs> please watch BattleBots I'll you, Thursday I'll you at be, eight p.m. Okay, I tell you who will be a fantastic announcer for BattleBots in the future whenever it happens. Mr. Will Bales. Yeah. Yes. He, he's like exactly he, Sam. Like, yes. Like with respect to Hypershock, they don't need Will Bales on the team anymore. They've got Alex who can drive the robot. Will Better than Will Bales. Sorry. Allegedly, uh, who, who knows? <laughs> but you know, Will Will can go and commentate. Why not? Yes. He's done it before. We like like the Bot Whisperer. Okay. Like combat robot super fan mm -hmm. who is now working on the announcing team. Okay, mm -hmm. like that is who we need. I miss Pete so much. We need I, I, everybody like... misses Pete. That's not <laughs> yes. a hot take. We all miss Pete. Yeah, the coldest take we ever. Need... We, we need the bot whisperer back. <laughs> I honestly, and this, and this again goes back to my earlier point about confidence in your own show, confidence in your fandom. Okay, like Will Bales and uh, Pete Abramson, maybe they're not quote unquote professional announcers, but I guarantee you that their coverage is going to be more interesting, more insightful inside of the mm. box than Chris and Kenny. And they would rather choose Chris and Kenny because they want a polished product that's not that deep. All right. And like that, I feel like is no other sport on the planet has that. Okay. Like you'd never hire me to to call a cricket match, Sam. Okay. I'd have no idea what's going on. I and I actually anyway, don't so. care. Okay. <laughs> 
But like, I am the right person for for NHRL. Kyle and I, we're we're the right people. Chris and Lindsay, we're the right people. You know, like we have got Ricky Williams on the on the show. You know what I mean? Like, we're all super fans of the sport itself. Yes. And we love being in that seat. It's not a paycheck for us. And like, it's it's like Chris and Kenny. I'm gonna agree with you. I love them as people, but they're holding back the sport, like and and its growth. Yeah, because yeah. they're not super fans. And, and actually that ties into something you said earlier, Luke, about like the post fight interviews, maybe not being as interesting. If any one of us were asking those questions, I think you'd get a much better interview in the end. So yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I think that's why the post show for the actual, for the tournament this year was so well liked because it gave the builders time to talk, to breathe, to actually express themselves. Um, and get past Pete, Pete that Abramson knowledge. should have been up there. He should have been running the post. He would post have, he, if he could have done, he would have done. And, and if he could yeah. have done it, he would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. Contracts being what contracts are, that there was unfortunate they couldn't, but precisely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been amazing. 100%. It's confidence in your own show. All right. Like, you know, oh, I, I can't afford your contractor. I, I need more money for like my talent. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, versus like, hey, let's just give Pete our YouTube channel or something. I, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. There's there's a thread to like my my madcap ideas uh, around BattleBots. All right, um, so okay. And then the last show related hot take because there's a lot of different suggestions in terms of like the format. You know, like how to set up the the show. What you know, what types of teams to let in, and this really ties into one of my hot takes because I really think in terms of format, the way that the tournament is set up. NHRL has this nailed um, where, you know, the concept of having every other month having a tournament and then the top however many go to the finals, like, you know, having this constant stream of here's a tournament, the top bots go to the finals. You could easily have a situation where you have four qualifying events and have the top eight bots from each of those events go to the finals to make the top 32 and then have a championship at the end like it would be so easy to do that and this would be a much better use of BattleBots time than these proving grounds because there would be actual stakes for these events for people to go to so to me I think that BattleBots could learn a lot from NHRL in that respect and I think that would much be much better for the builders much better for the fans like there would be this constant stream of content every couple of months and I think that would be a massive win um, but that's my opinion. Hmm. Hmm. It's it's interesting because, you know, obviously getting the cameras there and everything is, is also going to cost money every time they want to do that. So it, it's 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 going to be difficult to kind of facilitate that maybe. But like, y there is, you're right. Like, I suppose the, the closest thing we do get to that is is Golden Bowl, I suppose. Is, is, you know, you have a tournament of, let's say, eight and they go down to one and one goes through to this finals with, with the previous winners of of yesteryear but you know golden bowl was better than the main season last year in my opinion i mean it was a good it was a really good tournament <laughs> except the final the final yeah, was a bit correct you know, yeah uh, correct but the, the overall tournament was better by far yeah. no i i agree because it is a it's weird because i i love the fight night format i think it's a really clever idea and the way that they've done it it, it, it prolongs it gives everyone else it gives everyone a chance to do loads of fights but I do, I do like a knockout. I do like a, you know, a straight. Okay, if you, there's, there's no, not holding back. That's not the right word, but like, if you, if you look last year and say Hypershock versus Mad Catter, Mad Catter got destroyed. Like, 
if that was in the main season, you could, you know full well that Mad Catter would have stopped and then Hypershot would have stopped and it would have been, okay, a cool fight, but enough's enough. But because it wasn't, because it was Mad Catter's last fight, they destroyed him. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, the, the fights that they give out, like, you know, there's no holding back because you have to conserve parts. If you lose, you lose. You may as well go for it. And that's what I think makes it a little bit more special. Yeah, I agree. Mm. All right, are we ready to move into NHRL hot takes? NHRL. Ugh. All right, so this is interesting. So uh, I guess just because of uh, our, our Luke's and my association and, and behind the bots association with NHRL, we didn't just get BattleBots hot takes. We also got NHRL hot takes. Um, so we wanted to go through some of the most important ones of those. So we're going to go with this question first and this is more of a, a hot take question and i think it's an important one uh this is from copperhead team member and nhrl giant dumpster winner chad new hot take nhrl is bad for other events and he adds the question mark so i go up at the end there for other events maybe i'm gonna say one thing i think it puts an unrealistic expectation on other events to be as good and well polished because so for example in the uk uh, obviously you know i have a fairly close affiliation with the bristol bot builders we do events every couple of months yep. you know I've, I've announced for them I've, I've competed in the events i help you know do the setup and everything they are literally they do it all themselves nhrl is funded by a very wealthy benefactor <laughs> there's a lot of you know equipment that goes into it there's a lot of you know amazing people you know doing great things with the stream with the camera work with the editing everything it's a, it's a really well polished production it's not realistic to have lots of people doing that and you know i would say it's a bad thing for other events it's just it sets unrealistic expectations to have eight arenas at, at other events normally it's just one if you're very lucky it's two not you know having six beetleweight cages and then two featherweight cages it's not really realistic so Maybe it sets unrealistic expectations for other people. I I see a lot of parallels between NHRL and esports. So like video mm. game esports. Um, back in the late '90s, uh, we had a BattleBot style television show um, that was like early esports. Like, hey, we're all playing, you know, uh, this NES game, and someone's gonna win a million dollars, right? And yeah. like, we're kind of showing showing your progression. It's not live. It's um, you know, very similar to BattleBots in that way. And then we had this kind of underground esports uh, like movement where it's like, hey, bring your bring your computer down. It's going to be closed door. We're just going to play games together. There's going to be ten people here. Winner gets a three D printed prize. They didn't have three D printers at the time, right? Um, and like, oh, it became a hundred people, and then it became a thousand people or whatever. But it was just very underground, which is where we were right now. Like. The Motoramas, Bristol Bot Builders of the world, like that—that that is where we are. Hobbyists running this um, really cheaply and running it to small audiences, not streamed. And HRL is the first esports event for combat robotics, where we right. said like we are going to produce it the way that every single robot like competition should be produced, because every single robot competition should be funded. And like we are, we are now like pushing into the esports era. No one's done it before for combat robotics. Um, and like, I honestly believe I'm not under duress, even though NHRL pays my paychecks, but like we are, we are the first real 
like sports league for this sport and yeah. um like the great thing chad um about nhl is that i'm seeing super fast progression in the other like all of the other events like Correct. you go to an event in the midwest it's now being live streamed there is somebody who sounds like kyle and i like calling the fights like there is like stats and there's people calling out people's names and like kind of like trying to tell stories and the whole thing and like um that is great for the sports and i don't think it would have happened um without nhl yeah and uh cares being given to things like pit tables all having power and appropriate accommodations for the builders and that that is like we're we're setting a good example for those things. Yes, it is unrealistic to expect everybody to have the graphics, the the the, the full streaming capabilities, all of the different cages, all of the stuff that we have. Absolutely, but things like builder accommodations need to be taken into account, and just having a live stream, having a live stream with maybe some announcers is not that hard, and you can add that into what you're doing. Um, and Even make- just like like local local hotels and things that they kind of say hey you, you should look here or don't, don't go here because it's you know a mess right go, you know go like you know right we have a group FAQs. rate at this hotel you guys should all go here we have a group rate it'll be a little bit cheaper right that kind of stuff that people are now you see a little bit more frequently in the in the community and i think that's good mm-hmm. um, i would so, uh, oh go ahead sorry no 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 go ahead i was gonna say i to, to kind of build on to that i would also say that like Yes, you could say unrealistic, but I also think it's a really good template and proves demand and proves concept yep. where other people, you know, there could be investors that maybe wouldn't have thought about investing in some kind of robot combat league, but then sees what Norwalk's doing and is like, hey, people really like this. Maybe I want to put some money into this and like find some people that would be able to execute this well, you know, so I think that it, it you know, shows hey, there is demand for this and maybe we can do this in other places. Yep. Yeah, we, we saw that in Brazil with Streetbots. Like they were huge fans of NHRL and Streetbots looks a lot like NHRL and that's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like a uh, sh- sharp blade, I don't know, uh, sharpens everyone else's blades. I don't know, what is that, is that the phrase? I don't know. No. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, think you, so. you know what I'm saying. You know, yes. you've got the, like you, you've you've inspired a lot of people to do to follow in your like example, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. All right, so this is a quick one. I just want a yes or no. Norwalk needs to ban glitter and confetti. This is a Nate Franklin question, but there are quite a few builders that are on this ban glitter and confetti train. I am not a builder at an HRL. I am an announcer at an HRL, and I say keep more glitter and more, more confetti. <laughs> More for everyone, please. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I it, like, I just, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a huge part of what we do. I think it's a part of the charm of the event. I think it's hilarious when people decide to fill their bots full of glitter and uh, a blade of glitter armor is now a thing. All of it's amazing. Make it happen. And keep NHRL silly and keep it glittery and confetti-ish. It, that's my opinion. Does anybody I, differ on that? Yeah. I, I want to see a two and a half pound... <laughs> I want to see a two and a half pound bag of glitter on a half pound drive train. Okay. Like that's, you know what, what when, when Nate Franklin finishes his beetle, Ooh. I want the first opponent who goes up against him to do that. Cause I think that would be hilarious. By the way, Nate Franklin has like three beetles. He just doesn't yeah. have any that qualify for an HRL, but uh, <laughs> when he finishes his NHRL beetle. Uh, the only, the only caveat I'd say to that is having, I did an event over here. It was an Antweight event, a fairy weight event over here. Um, it was they do a christmas event on that for bbb um and 
<clears throat> there is a glitter cannon robot over here that does glitter cannon things at a very great scale. I'm still finding glitter inside the motors of my Atmate from about three or four years ago. And it's still, <laughs> it's, 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 it's still like, you know, excreting glitter from places I didn't know that glitter could go. So that's the, that's the only thing I don't like about it. it, it it's a, it's another, what's the difference between that and a projectile weapon, I guess is my thing is like, it, it, it gets sucked into places it shouldn't be going into like silly string or, you know, it bothers me a little bit from a, from a pure competition point of view, but from a silliness point of view, absolutely. You know, more flamethrowers, more, you know, squirty cream at the back of the, of a robot, you know, glitter, all sorts. I want to see foodstuffs in there, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally understand that glitter is really annoying for people who are trying to keep their speed controllers and their out. motors Ugh. and their yeah, all of their things operable. I I get that. I totally mm. understand. But also, that's kind of what you sign up for if you go to NHRL. You don't want glitter in your robot. Go to Motorama. You know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah. it's that's part of the game. That's, that's part fair. of what we do. Very fair. All right, so um, we have several hot takes that fall around this. Jeff Waters, Alex Peza, um, these are people that have competed at NHRL. Norwalk was better with a double elimination structure. Um, I think that there is an argument to be made that that is true from a pure sports and competition standpoint. I think you have to agree that double elimination is just better for the purists. Uh, is the show more entertaining now and easier to watch without it um, for people watching it? Is it more digestible now? I think there's definitely an argument to be made there. Um, I am very torn on this one. I don't know how I feel about it and what would be better. I know Luke has the strongest opinions of any human being alive on it. Um, yes. so we will get to that, but Sam, Christine, what are your thoughts on the, the, the removal of the double elimination system at NHRL? Christine, we'll go, just go ahead and start with you. If you've got something for us. I mean, I, I can mainly speak to this from having competed in May. Um, I mean, I, since that was the only competition that I've done, I really have nothing to compare it to from a competitor standpoint. Sure, for but me, you watched the was, other ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was it, it was fine. Um, I mean, especially because it's, it's single elimination, but like not 100% because you have the qualifying and in the qualifying, you still do get to fight a second time, even if you lose. So for me, like I knew I was going to get to fight at least twice. And yeah. that was really what was important to me. But I can definitely appreciate and understand from a tournament perspective, why people would want to have like that loser's bracket option. Um, so I can get it from both sides, but from, for me, like the single elimination was fine. I did. I didn't really have any issue with it. Sam, you've been involved in, in, you know, putting together a lot of competitions and, and working these events. What are your thoughts on, on kind of that tournament change at NHRL? So the ones that I do, well, I've, I've been, like worked with and affiliated with over here have been generally it's it's single elimination after a point anyway so everyone gets a guaranteed two fights so right you have, you have okay we do melees but you can do you know opening round fights as well you know one-on-ones whatever or rumbles that's not you know if you, if you prefer the term and then yeah then you have the winner of that fight goes through and then you have the two losers go and fight into a bracket the losers again are out they could do some whiteboards later on and the winners carry on in the tournament, that kind of thing. I, from a pure competitor point of view, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm terrified of turning up to, to Norwalk in a couple of weeks time and just getting bounced after one fight, traveling all that way. Right. That's that, right. As soon as I heard, oh my God, they're, they're changing the format. That was terrifying for me. But 
it's the same for everyone else. You know, it, ultimately, you know, I, I like the idea of you know having multiple fights, but if you lose two fights, then that's that's just how it goes sometimes. I I I'm also very conscious of the fact that for people like yourself and and Luke and others that work on the show, it is a long, long, long slog. Like, oftentimes I've gone to bed over here, you know, after watching the stream, I wake up in the morning, it's still going. And that's, oh, yeah. that shouldn't be a thing, you know, ultimately. From, from my perspective, you, know, you shouldn't be getting to the middle of the night and it's still being, you know, rounds to go. So... Damn, but the 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 early morning for you content is so entertaining. Can see <laughs> I can see the delirium; it's great. <laughs> being, being waterboarded by our employer. And, you know? oh, yeah. do, do, do you know what I mean? Like you know, I, I I enjoy the fact that you know there is a you know a second chance, a guaranteed second chance for for an HRL, or in the past there has been. But I am also very aware that you know people have human rights and want to sleep. <laughs> So I, I I quite like the fact that they've changed it. I like the fact that they've changed it, and they've guaranteed people to fight still in the qualifiers if you if you want them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I've given this way more thought than I should have, and I've mm -hmm. pitched this to every single person at NHRL all the way to the top. They hate the idea, so I'm just going to make the appeal to the masses. Okay, all right. Um, NHRL should go to just a fully ranked single elimination bracket for what's televised. So here's how it works. Top 32. If you're the top ranked 32 robots, you get put into a conventional bracket. You fight for three and a half hours. We cut it together into a 45 minute show. You get to watch it on ESPN. Okay. A um, little bit of stories like kind of like in there, but those are our 32 robots that we're going to be following, right? We have an unlimited number of people like Sam and Christine who show up for the first time and they get to fight in a different tournament, totally unranked freestyle. You get to fight as many times as you want. Sam, if you want to fight eight times, you can do that, right? There's a prize at the end, okay? We have some kind of point system, but there is no repair window. There's no calling you up to the desk. You just go there. They match you randomly with whoever else is ready in line. And we are fighting all day long in those five cages that are down there. We are going to see 400, 500, 700 fights just back to back to back to back. And like the results are, are, um, are uh, you know, put into a system and then we, we crown a winner. They win cash. They win a, a trophy, right? The whole thing. And it's just as, it's probably even more difficult to win that than it is to win the ranked 32. But when you go through that process, you build a ranking. So like you can come back the second time and now I'm ranked number 18 in the world, right? Because I did great in my freestyle um, tournament. Um, now I can come back and I can enter that one, right? Um, I just think it's a way more flexible way to do it. It's more TV friendly and really kind of builds out this like kind of concept of there is a world ranking of the world's best robots. And, you know, if you show up as number robot number one, you are absolutely going to be fighting in this, this kind of super competitive, right out of the gate, 9am, it's super competitive. Um, but uh, they don't like that idea, Kyle. They've told me no many times, all right? They have. And uh, they've left me on red now, Kyle, okay, Ooh. with this idea. They, they hate it, okay? It's true. They're we're not just big gonna, fans of it. We're going to keep I, doing what we're doing until, uh, you know... I think because Someone the narrative, the it might have something to do with the fact that the narrative of like that freestyle tournament would be hard to present to fans. Um, I personally, for a builders, I think it's great because it incentivizes you to fight more at a tournament. If you show up at a tournament and fight six times, that's going to bode well for you. You're going to have a better overall ranking based on that. 
Um, the live fan experience would be amazing because you'd have four fights, four cages that are fighting constantly, and there is yeah. no downtime at all. The builder experience is better because, oh, hey, I'm an eight-year-old kid. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have to fight every 20 minutes. I can fight when I'm ready, you know, and I'm going to go down and I'm going to fight, you know, whoever's next in line. And, like, there's it, – it's easier for us to do logistically. Like, pit control basically – has a very easy job you know it's much more about like kind of event uh, like kind of match management down at the bottom you know um i just think it's a better rookie experience you know yeah. for your first nhl but um i mean sam to to like you know ideally in my world right like there is a bristol bot builders qualifier where you can start to build your ranking before you come here so at least you know like hey i i know that i'm going to be in the main tournament or i know that i'm going to really plan for this kind of marathon day or i get to kind of choose like do i want to do eight fights sure i want to do that or do i want to just fight my friends one time and then go home like that's cool too um yes kyle they, they hate the idea yeah not fans not fans um, yes. But I did want to give us one more time to, or one more opportunity. Yeah, yeah. To I'm going to beat this horse until it's fully dead. We know, right? we know you are. Keep, keep uh, flogging. <laughs> um, uh, so one of the other things that I wanted to point out, this is another one of the Jeff Waters takes. Um, NHRL is the hardest and most expensive event in the country to attend logistically, unless you live within driving distance. I agree. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it really? I mean, for me, it is. Really? <laughs> Yeah, well, you're cu you're coming, you know, I think anywhere in the United States, unless like it was literally at, uh, you know, the international airport in New York, it would be US, difficult, US right? embassy in the UK might be might be feasible, but everything else is a is a challenge. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I think there are definitely more logistically challenging events <clears throat> than this one. It's not that bad to like fly into LaGuardia and make your way over. Like it's it's really not. Here's the thing that drives me nuts. OK, Jeff Waters has competed at Motorama which is like a, that is a one stoplight, one horse town, Harrisburg. Okay. In the middle Harrisburg, of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania yeah. is you, you, we, you will see things out there that you've never seen before. <laughs> and you'll never see since. Okay. Yes, All right. True. Um, like you, you go to Motorama and like everyone's, like, Oh my God, that's so great. Right. Okay. No, you, uh, you got to drive at minimum an hour from the nearest civilization where they have any direct flights. Okay. Um, you know we're 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 in Connecticut, okay? Like we're the center of the, you know. I think Ben Hassan, who travelled over to, to there before, yeah, it, it says it says like fifty minutes from JFK, so it's correct. Not, yeah, so it's not too not bad. bad. It's an hour. It's an hour from JFK. Yeah, it's not bad. It's really not bad. It's forty five minutes if you drive like a crazy northeastern American, but yeah, it's about fifty minutes. It's not bad. Um, and there's plenty of hotels. There's lots of really good food. Um, the area is nice. Like it's a, it's actually a really nice place to be and just walk around. There's great aquariums there. Um, I think I mean, it's fine. I think it's fine. I mean, to to Jeff's point, like Vegas is a little easier to get into logistically, just because it's wide open spaces and you're just, uh, you know, everything is just a straight uh, highway somewhere, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Can I get a little bit harder? But uh, I, I get it. I don't know. Like uh. At least we're not fighting in North Dakota or something, you know? Very true. Very true. Um, okay, so there's just two other ones that I wanted to kind of read real quick uh, because I'm not sure if I believe in this sentiment so much. I think it's a little bit more synergetic than this, but uh, Michael Cross says, NHRL is eclipsing BattleBots um, as the best robot fighting league. In response, BattleBots is adding content like Road to the Giant Nuts. BattleBots is scared... Uh, we don't typically cuss on this podcast, so I'm just going to like edit that out. 
Um, and then um, Ian, uh, NHRL has more to offer than BattleBots does in terms of risk versus reward, variety, fun, et cetera, et cetera. I think they're just two different experiences. I th I don't necessarily think one is is better than the other, and I think that BattleBots is better at some things than an HRL. And I think it seems kind of silly to compare them because it's like it is just they are not similar enough for there to be a direct comparison. One is a reality TV show about a robot fighting competition, and the other one is a robot fighting competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's it's kind of it's difficult with battle lots because obviously it is the scale is very different, and not not even in the sense of just the you know the competitors and everything else. The you know the robots are tenfold, sometimes you know, hundredfold more expensive. You know, it's it's insane, and the level of money that goes into them is is insane. And I think that it, it kind of it's hard to judge NHRL and BattleBots the same because you know ultimately. As much as NHL has grown into what it is today, it wasn't always that. It was it, it used to be just a another live event. You know, it was very fortunate that it's kind of been it's kind of grown into what it's become. Whereas Battle Lots has always been a TV show, as far as I'm aware. It obviously, did have live events as well, but it's it's it, it, for the most part, it's always been a TV show. Correct. So you can't really judge the two of them the same. It's it's not one one is an institution as as such, and then one has kind of developed its own legacy, so to speak, in, in NHRL. I, I would push back on kind of the fundamental premise of this, like kind of this idea in that I don't believe that NHRL or BattleBots are sports leagues yet. They are individual, single, like kind of fully curated, owned experiences, right? Yes. It's like, it's like if, uh, uh, you know, Sam, soccer, right? If every single um, team was owned by the same uh, billionaire, right? You know? Um, and every single stadium was like, you know, you could, you can only go to one stadium in the country to see soccer. Right. Um, I do think that intro will become a sports league faster than BattleBots will become a sports league. Um, I don't think BattleBots in its current form can ever become a sports league. It is just too big. It is too expensive. Um, the scale is just too And what I'm hoping for is that BattleBots and NHRL can like formally partner to like create an actual like kind of synergistic relationship um, where your qualifying like route comes through NHRL. Like you are going to be one of a thousand 30 pounders fighting and BattleBots is watching, you know, there are spots to get onto the show, you know, and money to be, to build a heavyweight, but you first have to build a 30 pounder and you have to fight at uh, NHRL league. And similarly with NHRL, like we have to give up some of our control and we have to allow the uh the the bristol builders to run an nhrl um event I mean, if, if they if want they, to if they want to offer some sponsorship you know i'm sure they'll talk <laughs> <laughs> no of course but i mean like like we need to have a a real like feeder system into nhrl that doesn't exist right big, now big like, pyramid system yeah kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. ultimately there could be a lot more people who could compete at three pound level than, they, than as as jameson said earlier that can compete at 250 because not everyone yes. has the amount of money, time, resource, you know, yep. knowledge base that, you know, everyone, you know, the BattleBots teams have and, you know, they need help. And I, I think that if BattleBots wasn't so obsessed with control that they would probably do stuff like this. They would say like, hey, you know, we're going to run a BattleBots NHRL crossover like competition, right? And, um, you know, we're, 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 sending, we're sending our celebrity judges down to like judge 
three pounds and three pound competitions because you know like we we want to give you some of our like social media cachet and on the other side like nhrl like i wish that they would accept that you know and like the there is um just institutional kind of stuff on both sides where that's not happening um yeah. like uh, battlebots doesn't want to give up like control and they really sincerely believe that they own the sport as a category and that everyone else who's creating things that are not 250 pound robots are um, just kind of like living in their shadow, which is kind of sad. And NHRL has, you know, like a pretty high locus of control about stuff. And they are worried that when we start fighting in basements and churches and hobby shops and um, other people are able to call themselves an NHRL qualifier that they're going to lose some of that control too. So like, I think that there's like some stuff there that's institutional that i wish didn't exist on, on both sides yeah all right so let's get into some um discussion on the future of battlebots um so we're going to go to battlebot superfan and horizon team member mary Catherine carr um this is she has two kind of global questions that I think are important to ask. First of all, what is truly the best way to grow BattleBots? And second of all, will BattleBots ever thrive with the current leadership in place? Hmm. Christine, I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. This one's a heavy one to go with, so I'll have, I'll have a think. <laughs> it, it is heavy. Um, and I mean, I've, I've talked a little bit um, to a couple of the folks who are heavily involved with BattleBots about this. And I mean, as far as like growing BattleBots and growing the sport in general, I mean, I've even suggested things with like promoting, you know, promoting like the podcast content and stuff, like promote it on their social media, because the more people who listen to shows and like listen to the content, the more that that helps grow things organically. Um, you know, those are like little things that don't even really cost anything to, to do other than, than the time to, to share the content, um, you know, and just like, listening definitely listening more to the builders and the fans I think that they definitely did listen for this last season but I think that there can be even more that they can take from that feedback um to make it better so I think those would probably be my top my top things that I would suggest hmm. um again I think you know growing BattleBots is hard is that's that's a really hard thing to say because obviously they've been trying to do that for twenty five plus years now, and you know they, they've done a decent job of it. You know, I think that this last season was very good. I think it's been very well received, and I think it's probably regarded by a lot of people as the best season of the show since it's come back. Uh, certainly since it's come back, maybe ever. You know, probably ever. Yeah. Um. I do also feel ultimately. BattleBots is a and, and robot combat in general is a is a niche. You know, it's not for everyone. You know, not everyone gets it. Not everyone understands what's going on. And you know, it's it's a good spectacle. It's good to watch, but not everyone's going to be invested in it in the same way that not everyone's invested in. You know, we mentioned earlier about um, <laughs> crocheting, Luke. You know, it's not it's not for everyone. So for for me, it's have you saturated the audience? Probably not. There's probably people out there that don't really know that it exists. You know, when, when you talk to someone, I, you know, when I speak to someone about, I do robot combat, it's like, oh, do you remember Robot Wars 20 years ago? It's not, do you remember Robot Wars, the reboot that was literally five years ago? That kind of thing. It's kind of, a lot of it is still run off nostalgia, maybe. I don't know, maybe I'm, mm -hmm. I'm wrong in saying that, but 
don't know. It's, it's, it's a really tough question. If I had the answer, I'm sure that Greg and Trey would pay me a lot of money to, to give him the answer. So it's, it's a really, really tough one. Sam, they wouldn't because uh, that organization <laughs> is run by their friends and family members, all right? Like my 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 biggest gripe with BattleBots in general um, is that Greg and Trey like created an idea in their heads in the late 90s that they have not challenged. Like it has to be 250 pounds. Why? It has to be a like massive battle box. And the battle box is like kind of a king, right? You know, like, oh, the, my box, my box, the arena, right? Um, why? Why is that? You know, like, um, there there can't be, you know, like, the live show, like, that is a huge, like, departure from, like, their idea of, like, what are we? We make a cable TV show, right? Um, like, why, why aren't there more arenas around the country? You know, like, could someone else have created that model, that true sports model, you know, like, um, or was it just this kind of fanatical control that Greg and Trey have over their, their brand that just did not allow them to give up any of that, you know, like when you see a social media post, it is, it is Greg Munson creating that social media post himself. Correct. That is insane. Okay. Like, uh, if I see, if I see a, a, you know, like a Sony pictures, like a social media post is not being created by the CEO or the co-founder of Sony. You know what I mean? Like um, we, we, like they don't even trust a social media intern to like create this content for, for them. Um, and in that way, like, I don't know how far combat robot combat could have gone in the last 20 years if someone else was running it um so i i'll, I'll tell you i mean sam like i have the same experience people are like hey what's your hobby and i'm like yo i'm really into fighting robots and they're like what is that like that sounds awesome and then i'm like check check it out on tiktok like come and just watch watch one fight with me and they are hooked they're like how yeah. do i get more of this this is the coolest thing i've ever seen and we are watching freaking bowling on espn and we're not watching robot fighting on espn that is insane they have like they have arm wrestling on espn 8 right like what are we doing here like could we hire the arm wrestling uh league ceo and have that person run robot fighting you know run battlebots could it be better could it be bigger probably Probably. Um, so, Mary Catherine Carr, yes, I, I agree with this hot take. Hmm. Um, I think I think there there is a role, a really important, great role for Greg and Trey, and you know, like they have to give us some control. I think to really grow it, and if that's something that they they're actually interested in doing, you know, they they have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, any any input on that? Um, I mean, I agree with a lot of that. You know, I, I think that sometimes when something is like, you know, your baby and your creation, you're so like invested in it that you don't see things that other people might see. Um, and that's why I think that there's definitely a need to have like outside thoughts and opinions of what could be done. Because um, Luke, I agree with you. I mean, Granted, I love robot combat, but I also don't see any reason why that can't be on something like ESPN 
more so than arm wrestling or whatever the case may be. I mean, to me, that would be far more interesting. And it makes me wonder if it's being marketed or like, you know, pitched in the right way. Um, you know, that that maybe that that pitch needs to be a little bit stronger or come across a little bit more differently. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, that that's my personal opinion. Uh, Antway builder Kyle Cuffrey wants to kind of add to this idea. Bottlebots needs to move towards a live televised sports broadcast model and away from pre-recorded and edited content model. Um, this would have to involve shorter fight nights being held weekly or bi-weekly across the year and almost certainly necessitate paying the teams enough for this to be their full-time jobs or at least a part-time job. Um, this couldn't be an overnight change, but this is how all other sports work and allows many more opportunities for them to recoup the investment with pricier recorded um, night tickets mixed in with their live show events, which I think is true. And that is, there's a hybrid of that happening right now, but we'll see. I also wanted to mention Ethan Van Gorp said, combine hot ones with BattleBots. Each team's driver must sit down for a pregame interview with Sean Evans and immediately after consuming hot wings, battle each other in the box. Uh, this needs to be a separate content event. I want to watch it. I definitely want to see Will Bales try to drive Hypershock after eating something on the like 2000 Scoville scale of, uh, you know, hot wings. That would be amazing. The only problem with that theory is imagine the rush to the bathroom afterwards. Yeah, oh. no, that's going to be terrible. It's going to oh. be terrible. And we all know the bathroom facilities at BattleBots are not the best. It'd be, it'd be, look, it'd be, it'd be spicy in the arena, spicy out of it. It's not good. Yeah, no. The, uh, the, the urine river you, is going to be real bad. If you lose a match, you have to chug a bottle of the bomb. Yes, there you go. Here we go. Or, Big or if, if you lose a fight, you have to eat a Carolina Reaper. <laughs> no milk. Um... <laughs> All right, so this is so we're gonna get into like uh, the the money side of life. We've all, we talked about the money side of life a lot last year. Let's keep this a little bit more kind of centralized. Um, Sawblaze Captain Jen Jameson Go says, if you restricted money, there is little motivation to have diversity. People will probably build two wheel drive vertical discs. Um, very battle and cost effective. Right now, there is no cap on how much effort you want to invest and let people chase their dreams. There are teams which sink a lot of money and yet don't win. So money isn't a tell-all indicator of success. So I just wanted to read that as like kind of the counter argument to uh, Ryan Hunter saying, BattleBots is reaching an inflection point where it needs to decide if it's F1 with several teams with big sponsors or find a way to cut off the money game before it cuts half of the field from partaking. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to side more with the Jameson Go side of life on this. I don't think we need spending caps. I think that that would, that would end up becoming a, a like being a creativity gap or I, here's, here, here's my challenge with, with this. Okay. It's because there's a selection committee that does not allow you to build what you want to build. Correct. And that like creates this kind of, environment where you're like i'm not going to get in with this design that i really love i have to create a spider that shoots silly string out of its butt right because it's the only way that i can get onto the show um, Correct. so the the challenge too is that um like there's the only people who can really win the sport are super wealthy and like, is that cool? Like, do we like that? Like, you know, are we, 
I don't know. I guess that's the same for every single sport. There's really not Correct. a sport on the planet no. where like where poor people get to win, which sucks. You know, at like, least in BattleBots, um... it's not the wealthiest of teams that wins every time. Jameson goes a teacher at MIT. You know what I mean? Like th- there's there's definitely people who don't have crazy jobs that then do you well see more in this sport. Leicester City's and things like that, right? Who who won the Premier League a few years ago? But like that, you're right. Like ultimately. Robots like Mad Cat are the exception to the rule, and Jackpot are the exception to the rule, where they can extract a lot of performance from a robot that is very basic compared to a lot of others, right? Yeah. But it's because they've, they've got good brain power, they know exactly what they're doing, they maximise every little bit of their resource that they've got. Um, so Jameson is right in that sense, but I, I also do think, you know, if you look at the... Maybe the, the, the most well-backed teams don't win every year, that is very true, but... They tend to do better than those that aren't, if that makes sense. Yes. I, I think I think too, like just in general, BattleBots is a format, just hamstringing your sponsorship activities also is really sucks, you know? Like um I, I wanna see a Coca-Cola robot and let's create the environment where that can exist. And maybe it's not a reality show on the Discovery Channel, maybe it is a legitimate sports like broadcast on ESPN. Like I want to see the Coca-Cola robot. I want to um, see the Google robot. I want to see the, yeah. Yeah. Because I see all that. It, in its current form, like we've had literal billionaires compete on the show before. And for them, it's like, oh, you know, I can just uh, power my robot on money because money means nothing to me, you know, like, um, uh, which is is kind of wild because you know like they don't provide any of that context either it's not like they're providing the context of like hey this uh this this robot is poorly designed but it has brand new components because they just throw out the motors at the end of every single match right um going up against a robot where the motors haven't been swapped out in four years you know like um the only time they did add that was like wow jeff waters built a competitive robot for what what did they always say four thousand dollars or something like that 3,000, something like that. Yeah. It was like, yeah, they were always like, they really touted that. And it was like, well, that's, yeah, but why? Why is that cool? Why is that important? Compare that to what everybody else is doing. Like, let's talk about that a little bit. But also, to, to your average person, there's still a lot of money. It's <laughs> still a yeah, lot of money. it's a ton of money. It's, it's, yeah. it's, no, it's no vacation. It's no other hobbies. You know, you can't, you know, if if you wanted to take up another, you know, let's say golf. If you want a set of golf clubs and you're, you're a golfer, you're not going to buy a new set of gold clubs every year, are you? No, no. We're we're watching wealthy people create a league for other wealthy people to compete in. Um, which I mean, like, like it's not your fault that you're a brilliant engineer. You've patented something, and now you're wealthy. You know what I mean? And of course, you want to go up against other brilliant engineers. Um, but it's uh, like not a true representation of the kind of like wonderful. Uh, colorful palette of uh, human experience you know like there's lots of really ingenious people who just don't have the money to get onto BattleBots and they could probably win a giant nut if they had the opportunity to do so and like we don't have a grant program or we don't have you know kind of like we a centralized sponsorship package where everyone who signs up gets uh, $50,000 you know in sponsorship money like right out of the gate it's like you've got this kind of race for sponsors, you know, like, can I get a good sponsor person, you know, to basically sell for me um, is like a, a defining factor in whether you win. And it's like, yeah, I guess it's not, not, not the most exciting part of the sport, you know, the, the, the money part. Um, I don't, yeah. 
I agree. I'm not. I agree. Yeah, I'm not sure what I what I what my point was there, other than you know, <laughs> I want it's it's artificially small. Like the field is artificially small because of money. Like money creates a smaller sport than it could be or should be. Um, I want the sponsorships to open up. Yeah, and I do. I want them to not have to get their sponsorships approved. I know yeah. that there has to be some sort of approval process because you don't want like a uh, Pornhub sponsoring a robot, for instance. But like some might. Well, <laughs> I've never heard of that company. What what, what is that company? Um, we'll tell you when you're older. Not familiar. Yeah, we'll yes. tell you when you're older. But like, I get I get why there needs to be some vetting. But I think overall, it should be like, is this an appropriate sponsor for the show? Not. Will Discovery and their mega bucks be okay with us getting this sponsor for a robot and not for their TV show? Um, you know that doesn't that doesn't bode well for me. I don't like that concept. I think that's uh, unfair to the teams and the builders and whatnot. I do think the teams need to be able to get sponsors, and that needs to be an important part of what they do. And there needs to be people out hunting for them and working for them, and that's literally their only job on the team. Um, like that should be a part of the sport that should be a part of anything like this. everyone needs a marketing guy yeah that should just be a part of of building a team building a, a brand building a league um but i don't think i don't think that the that the the league itself should be telling you who you can and can't use within a large degree of reason i think that you know saying that you're not allowed to be sponsored by genocidal regimes sure um that's a good one <laughs> but but not not because discovery doesn't like it. How the uh, the the PGA tour would like a, a word with you, all right? Um, <laughs> okay, um, I got feelings about that too. Oh, good, good. Um, okay, so to cap off this, I don't know how long are we going? Six and a half hours? This is true. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, pretty close to it. I I feel like I feel like we can all choose one of these final mm. hot takes about ourselves and our podcasts. Okay. Um, so I, I I'll I'll just go. Uh, first off, Thomas Carroll, who helps run pit control at NHL, his hot take is clam pizza is good. Thomas, you're wrong. I'm so sorry. Okay. I mean, seafood in general is like snot, and I hate it. So. Oh Sam. Yeah. Oh no. I know. Oh no. I know. You're coming to the belly of the well, beast. This, so, so Connecticut. Here's right? the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. So I I've, I've spoke because one of my my friends Rob, who's coming with me, is um he's he's got a pizza themed robot, right? So we have agreed to have to try clam pizza while we're there. Ooh. Wow. I'm terrified at the prospect because I don't like seafood anyway. But, you know, it's respecting other people's cultures. So I feel like we have to do it. <laughs> Connecticut has no culture other than white collar financial crime. Okay. Like that is that's I mean, Connecticut. I mean, culture. Like, maybe like a culture in a petri dish, maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Okay, clam pizza. Uh, Lindsay, uh, she grew up uh, right across the street from one of the most famous clam pizza places in Connecticut. And she took us to clam pizza for the first time. And it was shocking. It, you like, <laughs> Sam, you have to mentally prepare yourself, okay? Um, it is an acquired taste in that, like, if if I see it now on the menu, I'm like, you know, Pavlov's dog. I need to Do order you get it. Flashbacks. You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's exactly, exactly. Um, um, however, I will say just universally, okay, uh, if clam pizza was actually good, uh, you'd see it all over the world. Okay, Sam, like you'd be able to order clam pizza at the pub. Okay, like we, we have fish and chips here, okay, because fish and chips objectively good. are tasty. Yeah. Okay, 
uh, everywhere on, on the planet, you can order pizza. Okay, you can probably get pizza in uh, Antarctica. Okay, uh, you can't get clam pizza. Okay, you can get pepperoni, perhaps. You know, um, so clam pizza, acquired taste. Uh, proud Connecticuts. You know, they will. Uh, you know, take us to the grave that it's good, but it has never even escaped the borders of their state. Okay, you can't get clam pizza anywhere else in this country. So that's. Uh, or the people have spoken. Um, Kyle, <laughs> do you do you want to you want to pick one of these? You know, or uh... yeah. Well, there's there's a couple of them we can bang out very quickly. First of all, no, no, no. Um, no you only get to pick one, Kyle. You get to pick I just, they, some of them are not questions. They're just they're just they don't even need discussion. First of all, Tara Fisher just wants to say that the Robocast is the best BattleBots podcast without question. Disagree. Disagree. Um, I agree. I agree. No, no, I agree. no, no. It's pretty darn good. But <laughs> she's this very is the wrong. One, um. <laughs> So this is one that I'm very curious about. Okay. So huge team member and noted chaos agent Don Dorfer <laughs> wants to know who is your, and this is, I'm throwing all of us under the bus here, guys. Are you ready? Who is your least favorite combat robotics podcast? Okay. I've got a really easy answer for this one. Sure. Uh, Robocast. <laughs> Damn, what that's they the do one you probably you? listen to the most. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Necessity. I have to listen to it because I've got to edit it. <laughs> uh, Sam, Sam, uh, yeah, it's done. It's, it's done things. It's done things today. It's done things to me over the years. <laughs> I I agree with you, Tara. I feel like Robocat is the top. Um, the worst robot combat podcast. There's, there's no is... bad ones. I've I've not said any bad ones. There are. Oh there are no, bad no, there are bad. Ones. Oh, there are yeah. definitely bad. I mean, ones, I, yeah. I've not I've not seen any bad ones. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. You know. I don't know. I feel bad. I feel like I'm kind of punching down now if I like kind of bring it up. Uh, can I punt this one, Kyle, or is that? Uh, this, see, I, I brought this up because I didn't want you to punt it. So, like, uh, you, you go ahead and punt it if you want. Okay. But... All right. The the unofficial BattleBots podcast. Ooh, I, I, shots fired. I, I <laughs> well, they're not, not like making the show, show anymore. They're not making the show anymore. I, I think they are not making the show just because uh, they, they f failed to find product market fit. All right. Like, uh, so <laughs> it's fine. I just think you need to bring more, you know, like you gotta, it's not about us, you know, like I say at the end of a four hour podcast of just us, <laughs> but, but like, it's not about us. Like we are idiots. Don't listen to us. Like it's about highlighting the builders, you know, like uh, I feel like they missed the mark. So. Yeah, uh, unofficial BattleBots podcast. Do better, all right. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> touch grass. <laughs> all right, Christine, do you have a least favorite one? See, and that's a tough question for me to answer because, admittedly, I don't really listen to to the podcast. Like, if there's a guest or a topic that I'm really interested in, I'll make the effort to like make time to listen to it. But like as a mom, as like working full time and like doing my own, like, I don't have time. So I can't really answer that question because I don't often listen to them. You're, you're like, you're like these fans of BattleBots that skip the Farouk intros. You just like, <laughs> if, behind, if Behind the Bus has an amazing like get or whatever, you just skip all of the fluff and go straight to the builder. Sorry, that's great. Um, yeah. All right. I listened to the whole the whole um <laughs> that you did with, with Greg. With Greg I listened oh, to that whole thing. Sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um. Okay. So for me, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good, Kyle. Yes. She gave. She gave one. She gave one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> so for me. Uh, while I do agree, my least favorite one to listen to was probably the unofficial BattleBots podcast. I, that is also, uh, I just didn't enjoy it. Like I, I like them individually. They're they're nice enough guys. I just didn't like their takes. Um, for me, the one I'm grumpiest at right now is bots, 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 because they just disappeared. I was loving mm. their content. They were two novice people who were just getting into the sport, and they were like, it was so fun to listen to them kind of learn about it and figure stuff out and get to understand it and like kind of learn all the the back uh, behind the scenesy stuff that they were learning. And you know, they were finally just starting to build themselves up, and then they just they're, they're gone. Ninja vanished. Don't answer their Instagram messages. They're just gone. Let the record let the record show that I was the only person out of the four of us to stick my neck out. Okay, and actually call out somebody by name. Okay, everyone else for politicians here. Yeah, okay, cowards. all right, all right. Uh, Christine, you, you you want to pick the, the the next one? I will because I will pick the one submitted by someone who I know is a fan of outside of the box, which is Steve Dufour, um, saying use podcasters as guest commentators, giving them exposure is a win-win for everyone. I've always been a huge proponent of this. In fact, a number of times I've been like, because I you know I see all of these. Um, post saying bring back Jenny Taft and I'm like I'm right here and I guarantee you can pay me a lot less than Jenny Taft and I will be able to do a commendable job so you know like I really think that that would be great for battle bots is have some of us you know occasionally do something and you know I think it just helps grow the sport even more completely agree I mean I mean I agree Christian I don't know about yourself but I know myself Kyle and, and Luke have all called fights before as well like you know just as a little bit of you have every sport has its color and its play-by-play commentator, right? You know, BattleBots has tried to do that. You know, Kelly's kind of the play-by-play with the you know analysis because he's done UFC. It's it's transferable. It's not quite the same. I feel like we'd all do a serviceable job at his at his role. I don't know. Yes, that makes sense. You know, we 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 make, we make an attempt. Yes, I agree. Um. <laughs> Right, Sam, so bring us home. That's you, you Sam. You, you got to pick one of these. Bring us home. Okay. Well, I was going to talk about how we're going to finally hire Matt Vasquez as the fourth host, but obviously we've, we've now got David himself, so that's no longer the case. So I'll, I'll round it off with the lovely, lovely Tony D'Ambrosio from Team Omega. <laughs> we love Tony. I, I love Tony. Tony's an, an absolute top bloke. He's a top, top bloke. <laughs> Luke Stangle has the best hair in combat robotics. Fact. Absolute fact. There's, no, there's nothing hot about that take. It's, it's the, the coldest <laughs> take you've ever heard in your life. Tony, I am sorry that I'm an icon, okay? <laughs> cultural icon. I'm a sports icon. I'm a community icon. All right, that's fine. All do you right? want to Luke as well? With the leather jacket as well, I reckon like people would be scared of you. Here's the thing, all right? I... <laughs> I am the least intimidating person ever. I was just born into the wrong body. Like, I, I know, yeah. I'm telling you, like, like uh, psychically, okay. I'm like a 110 uh, pound like book reader who's got just you know, like uh, I don't know, like just a mousy person who drinks tea like in a library. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But the guy they photographed for the the yeah. Credit Bro team is like the most scary biker that ever walked the face know. of the earth. Just just gonna rip your face I off. I feel like you need, you need spikes yeah. all over you as well. Like I feel like that's like the <laughs> yeah. that's the logical next step. Yeah, yeah. You, do you ride Thanks, a motorbike, Tony. Luke? 
Uh, no, no, I've I've got a bicycle though. You know, like that. <laughs> I feel like he drives. Not... He drives a uh, a affordable family car. You know. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a pretty low profile person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could I could try riding the bicycle with my leathers on. Okay. Yes, you know, like, uh, that's that's a, a photo I want to see. <laughs> I, I I will tell you like the the one thing I really want to do like the mode of transportation that I really want to do is um ride my one my one wheel around town, which is you know kind of like the the nerdy conveyance of choice, and um, just wear one of those like demented uh, Cookie Monster costumes from uh, from Times Square. You know. Yes. I, I live in a very, very small village, and um, it would just create um, a lot of confusion, I think, and uh, it'd be perfect. Like, that's that the kind delightful. of chaotic energy I'm trying to bring, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Tony, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about my body, and uh, thanks, so much for, uh, <laughs> thanks very much for making this the last hot take of this uh, delightful crossover episode. Um Christine, Kyle, Sam, and even myself. I love you guys. All right. Um, this has been great. Uh, this has been so much fun. And uh, can't wait for this time next year to do it again. Sounds good. I'll, I'll can't wait to do it myself. Thanks, everybody. Bye.